Hell yeah. Hello everyone, this is Jose Herrera with the O3XX series. Today's special guest is Dominic Davila. A little bit about Dominic. On November 27, 2006, Dominic joined the Marine Corps and went through boot camp. After graduation, Dominic went to School of Infantry West, where he became an O331. Upon graduating SY West, Dominic went to Campus U, North Carolina, and was assigned to 28 Echo Company and Weapons Company. On October 31st, 2007, Dominic deployed to Ramadi, Iraq, where he was a gunner in MRAP. After seven months, he returned stateside, and a year later, on May 15, 2009, he was deployed to Helmand Province, Afghanistan, for Operation Kanjar. A few months into his deployment, on July 23, 2009, Dominic's life changed. You give nothing I mean, but time. The barracks where you become a man, dude. For real. It's true. A real, a real <laughs> fucked up individual, man. Yeah. And there's some weird, like, and that is a weird, dip. there's a weird vibe in the barracks because, like, the like the amount of peer pressure in that atmosphere is on <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and <laughs> talking about toxic masculinity yeah like, dude that place is the the worst like cesspool of it like everything is just overbearing but i mean yeah. it's 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 why you uh enjoy living on base i guess for sure but the barracks today is nothing like the barracks it was like back in the day i hear it's pretty cush yeah like hotel style barracks dude but uh, I don't know if I could do it. I've been in one of them. I think it was like 2014 when I went back to Camp Lejeune and I got to see some of the some of the, my my boots and those hotel rooms, dude. They're like huge. Yeah, but, like a good chow hall, not the Jim Crow chow hall. <laughs> hey, hey didn't, they shut that down? Didn't didn't they shut Jim Crow yeah. down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never knew the association of it until one day uh, Hipkins yeah. sent me a message. And he's like, this is like one of the most racist fucking things the Marine Corps has ever had. And it was a Jim Crow, a picture of the Jim Crow chow. Oh, man. Dude, I, I swear, like, all the, all you don't the, think fucking, of it. dude, all the on base reject, like, staff members got sent there. I fucking guarantee it, dude. It was, I don't, I think it wasn't until after the Iraq deployment that I, like, found out, like, French Creek was the jump off. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? And yeah. then I just ne- always went there, unless. Yep. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't find that, out about- that one place had sandwiches. I didn't I wish- find out about French Creek till '09. Dude, they had really? the teppanyaki. They had the hibachi grill in there, dog. You could yeah. go and, and <laughs> it was legit. And chicken wings every day, like you could do chicken wings and pizza. What the fuck, bro? I, there I was another chow hall that they did sandwiches <laughs> like a subway. You'd go up, dude. I've yeah, never that chow hall. We had the worst chow hall. Was that, that was the one too? over by the uh by was it C Street or whatever where the gym was yeah, right? Yeah, we were yeah, we're and they would make you saw the Tory Fun Day. Yeah. yeah, that place was bomb. The place was, was awesome. <laughs> Dude, we'd go there. <laughs> I remember going there with Heath and Rosales. We'd go there all the time after we got back from Iraq. You know, you think you're a badass now, you're a senior guy, you're a senior Lance Corporal. So we'd be like, nah, you boots gotta stay here. You better go get child this child hall then. You know, none of them had cars, and we go get like sandwiches and come back and feel like the boss. You know, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> they were great, man. 
Yeah, great. they had bomb ass uh, breakfast too. They had like wop the yeah, they did and shit. <laughs> yep, shit was good, dude. The, I prefer that, my that, that's cheeseburgers the... and my sausage egg biscuits in the morning. That's all Jim Crow ever served, and some sloppy ass yeah. spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, had, they had like did they have biscuits and gravy too? And then no matter how you do, like, it came the same. Dude, yeah, but like you would get the brown, the the bag nasty, the brown bag, dude. And for some reason, like the, the cheeseburger, like they would intentionally smush it before they put it in your bag. I'm like, how the fuck? You just handed me this bag. I didn't do anything but come back to my room, and it's flat. Like somebody stepped on it. Dude. Yes, dude. Yo, of course. They're getting treated by grunts every moment of the day. Of course, yeah. they're messing with our our food, man. There's no doubt. <laughs> I remember one day I was at, it was me, Paul, I don't, do you guys remember Doyle? Oh, Big goofy sure. dude went to Echo, he ended up blowing out his knee right before we went to Iraq, so he didn't get to deploy, but uh, we're all in a chow hall, and everything's just sloppy, everything's thrown everywhere, and Paul uh, Rosales is allergic to shellfish, and he like is still convinced to his day that we put shrimp inside his, one of his salads, and we're like, dude. You go through here, nothing, nothing's organized, nothing's in order, man. Like we have nothing to do with that. Dude, but it was uh, what he had man. That was a fight to live. Did yeah, he yeah, yeah. he started, yeah, he started showing oh. up. His throat was swollen. He's like, he's like, dude, I gotta go. You gotta go take some Benadryl and like lay down for the rest of the day, dude. It was great. But he's, I mean, he swore that we did it to him. And I don't know, maybe Doyle did. I know I didn't. Oh, fuck. Man, do you think, like, honestly, do you think that they would, like, you know, whoever hire was for them was just like, look, these are fucking grunt units. Like, kind of, like, treat them like shit. It's okay. You know what I mean? Like, we don't want them to, to get too comfy over here. They're going to war and shit. So, like, keep them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Up. Yeah. God, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it, man. They're just like, fuck them. They've got nothing else to do. <laughs> You know, that's how it goes. We always get shit on, man. You got to admit, we get shit on. We get shit on, like, the most while we're in. And then I feel like we get shit on the most while we're out, too. Because, like, any idiot is any Marine that a civilian meets is the equivalent to us. So it's like, you could have been, you know, male, but you're such a badass in these people's eyes. And it's like, well, this guy didn't do anything. But, you know, there's no, there's no, like, it's just all gray area for them. It's just everybody's the same, which kind of sucks, you know. And then you got to explain, oh well, you know, this happened and this, but it's hilarious. I always get, uh, I always get told, oh, you were in the army. That's that's like the most <laughs> common phrase I hear. Like, oh, you were in the army. I'm like, yeah, I was in the army. Roger that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I was a guard. <laughs> Like, do I really want to take the time to explain the difference to this individual? Uh, and that, that's how it is. Yeah, that's how it is, man. I feel that way, too. Like, sometimes I'm just, like, I'll meet people, and I'll be like, you know, are you in the military? I'll be like, nah. Like, nah, I wasn't. Nope. <laughs> like, just go about your day. Like, we've got no business here. Like, I don't need to talk to you. And, you know, I just don't feel like explaining an entire story now. Yeah. You know? Dude, and I'm sure for you, like, <clears throat> I don't know how much you and uh, Jose have talked about, like, what we're doing here with the podcast, just chumming it up with dudes. But, like, we do, like, to tap into the uh, 
you know, mental health realm and everything. And that kind of yeah. brings up an interesting question, um, which I want you to go ahead and kind of, if you don't mind, just kind of tell, just tell your story a little bit as brief or as in detail as you want to, um, like why you joined up and just kind of what happened dur- during your enlistment. And then I'm going to yeah. tie back into that question right there that I had for you as you were talking. Cool. Yeah, I was actually uh, listening to Shoemaker's, or Shoemaker's uh, podcast a little earlier, and it, it was just funny to me. It's like such a, uh, I felt like we had such different experiences on why we like both joined and like went in. You know, it's crazy just like thinking about uh, the different types of people and the different people you meet just along the way. But yeah, man, I I, uh, I grew up in Chicago, so I guess originally I never even really thought of the Marine Corps unless I needed something to do you know and that's just kind of how it turned out for me like I got out of high school and I worked for a little bit I was working at a, a courthouse and I had some family that were cops and some family that were bailiffs at that courthouse and a couple other ones so I was you know naturally I was just like you know I want to be a cop like you know that was like my plan and um I went to went to college for like a semester and just realized, you know, in 19 really quickly that that was not for me, you know, like even high school was a little much, but so I, I like just toyed around with the thought for like a couple of months after getting out of high school and then never really thought about it again. And then um, after just letting that semester of college go, I was like, well, I got to do something like I know that I'm not going to be able to do anything without a college degree and I know for a fact that I'm not you know mature enough right now for a college degree so I was like well you know I and my family's Hispanic man so I grew up just like some of the craziest shit like getting yelled at getting hit just like nothing you know nothing bad just like normal I guess like kid stuff so I felt like the Marine Corps I was like well the military I just do four years I've gotten yelled at the last 18 years at home you know, like the Marine Corps would be fine or, or whatever. And I had a cousin who was a recruiter at that time. And he told me, he's like, man, I don't know, dude, like we're not going to be able to get you in. I had, a, I had a tattoo on my neck. And uh, I just kind of like left it at that. I was just like, whatever, kind of got disqualified before even doing any any steps. And he's like, I set you up with an army recruiter. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll talk to them. And I just kind of talked with them. And the guy was like trying to get me to do tanks and stuff. And I just – not really like, I don't know, just wasn't really interested. It just felt like if I wasn't going to do Marines, then I didn't want to do anything. You know what I mean? It just felt weird to me. Um, so while I was working at that courthouse uh, out in the suburbs of Chicago, I was, one day I went to lunch and as I'm walking back from, it was at a, it was at one of the malls. And as I'm walking back from the mall to my car, this Marine Corps recruiter comes up to me. He's like, Hey, you ever thought about joining Marines. I was like, uh, my cousin already disqualified me, you know, this is this and that. And he was just like, well, I think we'd definitely be able to get you in, you know? And it's like summer of 06. So it's like probably like July of 06 or so. I might've just turned 19. And uh, I just, I met him at his recruiting office, did a couple, d- took like pictures with my PT, with PT gear on and showed my tattoos I think kind of to show that they weren't gang tattoos either, but just like kind of did all that and just wait around, <clears throat> got some letters of recommendation. They were like, you know, we're not going to be able to get you in right now. And, you know, we just your tattoos really screw you. So I was like, all right, whatever. So I ended up waiting around until like October and a recruiter hit me up. He's like, dude, I think we'll be able to get you in like 
you know, it's in a year they're taking anybody. It's literally what he told me. He's like, so he's like, you might be all right this time. So did all that. And I, uh, and I ended up getting accepted, I guess, really. And just kind of didn't really know what I want to do. And I think I had motor T as my first, like, uh, as my first job, you know what I mean? It was just like, whatever, just get me in, get me on paper and then figure it out from there. Cause even my recruiter, like, like I saw, I went in, I went and did maps and everything. And then I signed and it was like, you're leaving a boot camp like on Tuesday. And I, it was like Thursday. I was like, dude, I can't leave. He's like, no, 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 we'll fix that. Don't worry. But uh, so like I went to boot camp at the end of November. So between that time, like uh, he calls me up and he's like, hey, man, we've got three slots for infantry. Like, do you want to do it? Like, you got to tell me right now. And I was like, uh, <laughs> let me call my cousin. Yeah, like, hey, yeah, like, I don't even know really what I'm signing. You know, at 19, I was, you've got 30 pages of a contract that you don't know what's going on, you know, and you're staring at it, but you're not reading it, you know, like who reads those things, you know? And so I like called my cousin up who was a recruiter and he had just a very, just a very loud presence. Like he was, a gunny in one five or a staff sergeant one five during the push um then he was a recruit he was a drill instructor then went to recruiting duty after that and so like he's just a very hard dude and i called him up i was like hey danny like i was like hey brother there, there's a there's one thought for infantry man what do you think you know what uh, you know should i take it he's like all he said literally all he said he was like danny did it and i was like okay <laughs> I like hung up and I called my recruiter. I was like, yeah, I'll do the infantry. The I'll take the infantry contract or whatever. And, you know, I'm not even really, really knowing what any of that meant. You know, I knew just like, just it was infantry, you know? <clears throat> so, yeah. So did that, went to boot camp out in uh, California. It was great. I planned it. So I had like the whole, I did it through the winter. So it wasn't even like that cold, like, I mean, it was cold on record, but it wasn't really that bad. But, yeah, boot camp was pretty chill. And then uh, I felt like felt like I didn't really talk much in boot camp. Like, I kind of kept to myself. Like, I'm, like most of you guys know that I'm, I'm pretty, like, outspoken, loud, and just, like, you know, just kind of just me. So, like, boot camp was, like, completely different. I just stayed quiet. Like, I remember getting IT uh, in, the, in second phase for the first time as we were like coming uh, up North for to Pendleton for the, for that month. And uh, we're like bringing all our shit in. And one of Joe's instructors like grabs me and throws me on the quarter deck and starts like doing pushups and stuff. And he's like, stops. And he's like, who are you? What platoon are you? And I was like, Oh, this platoon. So he's like, Oh, okay. Keep pushing. Yeah. So yeah. boot camp I felt like it was pretty chill. Like watching other people just like piss themselves and like literally freaked <laughs> out. You know, like it always, it always struck me as awkward and just not, you know, not knowing at 19, like how different everybody grows up. And like, I don't know, I just felt like I remember Black Friday, we get in and we're running back and forth from like the bathroom to outside and and literally it's just like shit's everywhere. Shit's being thrown everywhere. You're getting pushed into stuff. I remember just like, like getting in the shower, with like 40 dudes and they like turn everything on. And I'm just like, literally dying laughing i'm like this is absolutely mind-boggling to me i'm like what is happening you know like i was just like so shocked i was like it's not that crazy but it's just like 
just the process of it, I was like, this is absolutely wild. Like people, I was like, I came to this. Like I got on the bus and came to this, you know? So it was like <laughs> hilarious to me, but never felt like anything crazy. You know, it always just felt like, I don't know, an extension of high school, you know, as like becoming a, a, you know, a younger adult and a younger dude at that time, you know, a younger guy where it's just like, it's just kind of things you get into, things you do, you know? You were India so company, can- weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we went, we went to, thir- were you thir- 3201? Yeah, you weren't in my- we were together. Yeah, we, together, we went dude. to SOY together. Yes, dude, yes. because <laughs> I remember, dude, I remember this distinct story with you, and I don't know why, but it's still like, it It goes through my mind sometimes, and I get a hilarious, it's just hilarious to me. I remember you and I taking a shit from each other at, at the, at our barracks, you know, and there was no stall, so we're licking at each other. And I remember seeing you, and you're like, you, you're you've got your toilet paper and you're putting water on it you're like soaking it down to wipe your ass and i'm like yes. what are you doing you're like it's like baby wipes dude i'm it just it blew my mind and now you know now to this day i i haven't bought toilet paper in like eight years you know what i mean <laughs> like i don't even use toilet paper anymore but i i don't know why dude but that story's always like stuck in my mind with you hilarious <laughs> Yeah, man, you remember boot camp, how fucking funny it was, man. Like, we were we were like the worst platoon. We weren't turned platoon, but we were bad. We I think we really only bad. won like one thing ever. We would have won. <laughs> we would have won the knowledge portion if Dale didn't fail it twice. <laughs> Even if he would have failed it once, we would have been good. But he failed it twice and just completely screwed us. Dude, Dale was yeah. a physical specimen in boot camp. Dude, Dale, he always was. Like, was he always yeah. was. Physical he, specimen. he was insane to me. He's, and it's like, I see Dale, I, I see Dale now, and like everybody, you know, you're 19, 20, you're calling Dale an old man. You know what I'm saying? Dale's 26 at that time, probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like, when you think about it, that's like when the true like Olympians and like all these athletes are starting to get at their peak is at that age. Yeah. So it's like for Dale and like Demontigny and all these other guys to get in when they were older, it's like it it almost made sense that they were such hosses at PT. You know what I'm saying? Like these dudes were mentally uh, more mature and their bodies were physically more mature and they were, you know, just seeing Dale and like thinking about it. I'm sure he's still the same way now because he's just like an athletic dude. But thinking of Dale, like that dude used to run like 14 minute three miles. Yeah, it was insane to me, and I was I was never a long distance runner, so like my miles weren't great. But like it was like me and Dale were like 10 minutes apart, you know. Like that dude was yeah. just insane. That dude was absolutely wild. But he he's a great guy, man. I, I uh, are you guys going down to a reunion? I'm thinking about I'm thinking about going. I don't know about it. Okay, I was just thinking about because he posted it, but yeah, I think I'm gonna go down. And then I was just talking to Navarrete before I got on with you guys, and I think he's gonna go down. So is he still contracting? No, he dude, he's like, I thought I saw him contracting one day. He's like, but I wasn't sure if that was him. <laughs> yeah. like, so I didn't say anything. No, he stopped a couple of years ago. He just had back surgery. He's doing union oh. work now. But yeah, he just had back surgery. He actually got. Uh, I got married on the 29th of last month and uh, he came out for it. And I didn't realize that this dude, like 
had some serious back surgery like the week before he came. He gets off the plane and this guy's like, he's got a cane and he's limping and this dude's physically worse than I am right now, you know? Oh, fuck. So it's like, yeah, but he's now he's doing great, man. He just had, he just had his fourth kid Sunday. Right on. Yeah. Man. So, yeah, yeah. Now he's doing good, man. I talk to him a lot. I, I keep in touch with a lot of dudes, but, uh, I don't know. That's just I feel like social media, if you if you don't keep in contact with guys, you know, with social media and it's you know, outlets we have now, it's just kinda like that that's on you, you know. So but yeah, man, like yeah, boot camp. Fucking wild. <laughs> you know? You're wild. I just never I never uh it just I don't know how you felt. I don't know, it just never seemed hard to me. And I guess just being naive and 19 and just young at that time. And I, I say that now because being, you know, turning 34 in a couple months and, and like understanding and just maturing and just like understanding how like minds work at 19, you know, at that age now, it's like, you're just such a kid still, yeah. you know? So it's like, to me, it just almost felt like a game. And I just felt like I never really, like even in Marine Corps, like I always just felt like, I was kind of oblivious to everything. Like I knew what was going on. I knew our mission. I knew what we had to do, what we had to do and we had to take care of. But it just always felt like, you know, like I don't know. It was just weird to me. It was kind of like I was just telling my fucking parents yesterday. Yesterday, boot camp stories, dude. I was like, I wish I could do that shit again. Yeah. It was fucking hilarious. Like you're saying, it was, it was. people being terrified, like seriously terrified. Dude. Piss in their beds Kid. and shit. I remember being on fire. Oh, watching out of their racks. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like scared out of their minds. And I just remember yeah. like you like just standing there like laughing at shit. I would laugh as much as I could without getting fucked up for it. But I told this one story. This shit will stick with me forever. I don't know if you guys had to drink this fucking like little brown powder in a little plastic, like look like a little piss cup. And we had to do this shit like I like four or five times and they said i don't know what it was actually but they said it was like flu medicine or something so we would all get online and they would give us this little this little cup with this powder in it we pour canteen water in it and drink it this shit gave everyone fucking the shits dude like so this one time we're all online we're getting we're naked and shit right with the (laughs) towel out get ready to go shower and this fucking kid steps offline and he's like Sir, recruit so-and-so, request permission to use the head call. And, you know, the DI was way down the catwalk. And he fucking, like, snaps his head. He's like, what, bitch? And goes and runs up to him. And the kid says, fuck it. And he starts hightailing down the fucking catwalk towards the fucking bathroom. And he's shooting ropes of diarrhea out of his ass all the way down. Dude, that's like... But I'm just dying laughing. I loved it. The I'll never forget. does not understand, dude. Dude, that is great. It's like like the you hear stuff like that and it's it sounds unbelievable. And you're like, no, this like this is a story that I would never question. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's always something. Yeah, dude. I loved it. We I definitely I remember um I remember the crucible and I had gotten you know, you get your three MREs and they don't give, you know, you don't get a fucking choice to just pour them out and they let you guys fight over them. 
So I, I'm not like a seafood eater. So I ended up getting like shrimp jambalaya as one of them. And it was fucking brutal. So I kept that one for my last one. And like the day before, I think it was like the night before the crucible, I ate the, I ate the, you know, the, the jambalaya packet, like the main packet finally. And I just put up and I, at that time, I never used to eat the hot sauce ever. I never had hot sauce. It was like, not my thing. And I just, to, I just loaded up with Tabasco. I was like, I need to eat something. So I loaded up with Tabasco, ate that. And then, you know, the next morning you get to Reaper and they give you like that, the broth, you know, and maybe like an orange. So like nothing solid. So like we did that. We ate that. We, we hiked the Reaper and I'm just like the whole time my stomach's killing me. Like since we got up, my stomach's hurting. We start doing the Reaper. We get up, we get over and we were heading down. I was like, Hey, this recruit, you know, requests to use a head. And he was like, yeah, we'll stop at the million dollar head. You guys remember, you know, the one It was like, I don't know. It felt like 10 miles. It might've been like a mile or something that from the barracks or something, but he's like, we'll stop at the million dollar head. So I was like, oh, okay, fine. So we're hiking, you know, we, we get there and we just keep going past his head. Like we're going straight to the barracks, you know, and I just remember it being so fucking long and you can probably see the barracks from that head. You know what I mean? But at 19, you have no sense of anything. So like direction and like distance and all that is just like, you know, you have no clue. So dude, it was brutal. I got back there. And as soon as we got into the barracks, like I dropped my pack and I was like, this recruit and the drone striker was like, go bitch. And I literally, I sat there. And I shit the entire time everybody was getting showered and getting ready and getting, I, I remember Joe instructor coming in and being like, you have to fucking move now. So I had to run in the showers. I like took like a 30 second shower and then threw on like a set of shitty camis just so I can go to his warrior breakfast yeah. to come back and shit again. You know what I mean? But dude, it was, and you know, that that's their plan at the warrior breakfast. You know, it was just get you loaded full of food, but. It was brutal, man. And that was, was oh, boot fuck, camp. You fuck know, that. that is. Fuck that. I was, I, was, I was fucking abused on that fucking last hike. They they used me as a mule. So all the motherfuckers that were like dropping like flies, yeah. dude, they fucking made them all attached to like yeah, my packs. Yeah, they made me attached to my pack. And then all the other recruits had to attach to their pack. Bro, and I'm literally hauling them all the way the fuck up, dude. Dude, I was dying, dude. Oh, man. Straight up Mexican mule, dude. Dude, dude and that's, it, that's, <laughs> that's something that's funny is like, I used to, and it's kind of like sick, but you know, I used to just not get off on it, but like that shit would motivate me, like seeing people suffering bad. Like, <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Oh my <laughs> God, I was the worst senior guy. I absolutely agree. Yeah. I'm still that way. Yeah, it's just like that's motivation, like not really hurting or in like bad, you know, yeah. health or anything. But like pushing through it. Oh yeah, and I would just like, especially on humps, like I've told her this shit before. Like I just remember like looking at dudes, you know, carrying a small because we were we were weapons. We had always had carrying some type of fucking cruiser yeah. shit, and like just watching dudes, even my own like platoon members, like just fucking suffering bad. I'm like, yeah, bitch, I'm good. You're not good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the best when you see senior guys too. They're just shit talking your whole yeah. fucking day, and then they get like a pack on them. They're like, yeah. <laughs> and then you know, we just came from West Coast, 
And then we get to the East Coast and we think we're hosses. You know what I'm saying? Like we're hiking in mountains. Like we get to sea level. We're just gone on everybody, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great. That's when I started yeah, hitting my uh, 17, like sub seven, like sub 18, three mile runs. And my 18 mile runs, dude, coming to sea level, dude, I was like, fucking. Yeah, I think my best three miles is like 21 minutes. Hey, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> dude, no, for guys, sure. That, that is one thing I, I think the West Coast guys, like you guys' conditioning was probably fucking a, a lot better than the East Coast. Not just because elevation, yeah. but because of the fucking, out, or, you know, the the terrain and all that. Like, <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, I remember like, so you don't really do too, I mean, you do your hiking and stuff that month, but when you get to SOI, then it's like a haze fest and you go do your uh, land nav. Remember again, yeah. land nav, like the first like week getting dropped in there and they're like, oh yeah, here's the base and here's your fucking numbers and you're like 1800 meters, like you're like six clicks from this fucking, your, your next box. You know what I'm saying? In terrain that you have no fucking clue. Like, you're on mountains. You don't know what cliffs are around here. You don't know what anything is, you know? Like, it, it's it's uh, it's really wild to think that you just send an 18-year-old out with, you know, a little bit of land nav uh, skills, and then he's gone all day, you know? <laughs> dude, dude, SOI was <laughs> tough because they had me doing everything else, and then I was still a fat body, but I wasn't, like, fat. And yeah, I was doing remedial right. PT so, on, on Saturdays. <laughs> well, everyone's on the level, dude. I'm doing ass fucking A's. My corporal remember, record, dude, the biggest motherfucker I've ever fucking seen, dude. I remember you and another dude that I came with from Chicago in boot camp. You guys were getting like half rats at boot camp. Because oh, wow. your, ta- your tapes are all, because, you know, they tape you and it means nothing. You know, you're just a stocky dude. And these guys are getting half rats. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's other dudes who are like 90 pounds who are getting double rats who can't finish their meals. And there's just food wasted everywhere. <laughs> dude, I, I'm, I, let, me, let me, let me, maybe you know this. I think the most fucked up thing that happened to me in boot camp, dude, was someone pissed in my fucking camp. I, dude, I remember, I dude, I remember shit. waking up. Dude, I remember waking up, bro. <laughs> I remember waking up, and I think I was up. next. I think our racks were next to each other, or was it up north? It, we were next to each other because I remember you grabbing it and you drinking it. And you'd be like, "Someone pissed in my canteen," and I just drank it. We're like online the first thing in the morning. I was like, "Oh my god, that is disgusting, dude." I remember that so fucking bad, dude. That was horrible. Wait, so I I feel like so I remember I remember I had this dude Castro who was my rack mate the whole time. I feel like maybe during field week you and I shared a tent though. Could have. I have to get really I, drunk to go back into that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't remember. <laughs> But I because I remember that story. I remember being like literally right next to you. And I feel like it was I feel like it was up north when when we were sleeping in tents and like someone grabbed your canteen probably from like under the tent or something. I was hated because I was a squad leader too, dude. I was it was when I was a squad leader. The squad leaders were the fucking worst, bro. <laughs> the squad leaders were the worst. I remember I remember I don't even remember his kid's name, but I remember him 
I don't even remember one of the drill instructors being like, he's like, fine, I won't even say anything. He's just like mouthing words. He's like, like he did something like that. You know what I'm saying? Just like trying to get our attention or something. I, I like to, I remember one of the guides at the time was like, try to do that. Like try to mimic him at some point. And I was like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, and I remember like threatening him and be like, dude, I'm going to whoop your ass. Like no one fucking cares. <laughs> and then I remember him going and telling Joe Instructor like that night. And then like Joe Instructor like the next morning was like, I hear Marine, I hear recruits are threatening other recruits or something like that. I was like, what a fucking pussy. I was like, I can't believe that. I remember his but, face, but I can't remember his name. He was like a goofy fuck. I remember was a guy named Gavin. He was like this. Yeah, yeah I remember Gavin. Yeah. He, yeah, but yeah, uh, and I seen him at MCT like one time. I remember time. seeing him there. Yeah, it, yeah. Heston, after boot camp, we didn't Heston, see anybody. He was in our platoon. Heston was in our platoon. Dude from who was in from Washington, Washington State. Heston, I don't remember. I feel like if I see him, everybody looked the same because you because then everybody split too. At once we got, because you stayed, uh, you stayed rifleman, right? No, this is what happened to me. I, I wanted to be an 0331, and they're like, yeah. you're too small. And it was it was Danny Trejo. Remember, remember uh, Sergeant Trejo, big-ass fucking yeah. Mexican? He's like, you're too fucking yeah, small. You'll never be a fucking machine gunner. And I was like, what the fuck? So they just fucking <laughs> threw my ass in the 11s platoon, dude. I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I was like 154 pounds, and I was a machine gunner. <laughs> I remember going, and they were like, doing you know what is it like your three weeks or something like that and then uh you know and then everybody gets split they go to their their respected weapons and uh it was like all right the night before like start thinking about what you guys want to do and let's go meet you know you can go meet um uh sergeant lang from the machine gunners and whoever is the mortars and whoever's who and my cousin was a mortarman so i was like fuck i want to be a mortarman man that'd be dope as shit you know that's what he did so I originally wanted to be a borderman just because my cousin wanted, my cousin was, but I was like, I don't want to get fucked and be an 11. Like that was my mentality. I was like, I don't want to get fucked and be an 11 and have to hike everywhere. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just going to suck. They spent more time in the field while we were in boot camp. You know what I'm saying? Like, or an SOI. Like, it just, it just all sounded fucking horrible to me, you know? So I was like, so I was like, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Machine Gunners and I'm going to go sign up for there because if I don't get Mortimer, then I'll be a Machine Gunner. So I go in there and I remember like everybody's in there and I don't even know how I got picked. I was not like one of the biggest guys. I was a good PT here, I guess, but. Just like all the dudes in there, I like signed my name and I got a good uh, PT score, I guess, and that. And I remember Doyle walking in. Hey, you weren't there, huh? Doyle walks in, or Doyle's in there, and he's like, and Sergeant Lang's going over, like, this is the 240, and then it's the 50 count, and Mark 19, those are our guns, and blah, blah. And Doyle like raises his hand. He's like, well, what about the saw? And he's like, no, that's 11s. He's like, that's not a machine gun. That's a, that's a fucking, it's automatic rifle, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you don't get the spawn here? Later. It just walks out <laughs> in the middle of this guy's, in the middle of this guy's, like, whole speech. And he's like, I remember, clear as day, Sergeant Lang's like, oh, yeah, ignorance is bliss, huh? And, like, Doyle turns around, he's like, yep. And just, like, walks out and goes to the 11s. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> like it, it was absolutely wild to me, but 
Yeah, we got picked for that. It was, uh, I don't know how. So I, I ended up signing up for machine gunners and, you know, not paying attention to anything. And then the next day going to Mortarman and they're like, well, you're already a machine gunner. I'm like, well, I just, I just put my name down on the list. They're like, too fucking bad. You're a machine gunner now. So <laughs> I got sent back to machine guns. But no, it's like, it was dope, man. I, I get out of here. Go, go, go. Uh, it was dope, man. I, I really appreciate it, machine guns, you know. Hey, man, I met but, Tom Kingery. Tom Kingery was kicked out of the machine gun platoon, I think. Was he? Really? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I met him on top of Dale this. almost got kicked out. <laughs> yeah, dude. I felt bad for those dudes that were, like, were waiting in SOI to pick up a class. There was like, some dudes there that had been there for like, fucking, like three fucking months, dude. Just waiting to pick up on a class. And yeah, like, Heath and Doyle and all those dudes, they've been, they're patrolling around SOI. They're just like, what a glow belt at a flashlight. <laughs> just like, <laughs> for no reason. Yeah, dude. Yeah, they got, they got screwed on that deal, man. And then we came in and we were there a week. We started, I think, actually, I think we picked up like that weekend. It was yeah. crazy, man. I just felt like I didn't know what was, ever was going on. I remember showing up in like our chucks and just like, not understanding where to go or where to stand or anything, or do we still walk and step? You know, like how does this how does this work? Who do I get yelled at by? Like, you know, it was just it was just like such a crazy time to to think of and just like like damn it, nineteen twenty. That's what we were doing. All right, you're done, bro. Oh. All right. Kind of yeah, man. So oh, I got a golden doodle. Winston. We're like in the middle of moving right now. Winnie. Hey, dude. Got a lab back there walking my chocolate lab. Nice. This dude, Winston. Hey. Oh, he's got he got another ball. Did it fall? Oh, it fell no, down. I fell off. Yeah. <laughs> Did it? Uh, <laughs> he's got telekinesis. Yeah. Yeah, right? Dude, these guys are funny, man. Like, they'll, they'll get up. First thing they do is, like, we got our front closet that has their treats in it, and then, like, Mark will go down and, like, stare at the door and then, like, stare at me and then, like, stare at the door. <laughs> they're, they're wild, man. I feel like there's, like, uh, there's way more of a connection to, to animals that humans don't realize. And, I mean, I think, one, because nobody's connected with anybody anymore, you know? For sure, but now these dudes are great, man. They're they're chill guys. They I take them pretty much everywhere with me. I did, I did a uh, <clears throat> is it two summers ago? Every year they do a motorcycle ride for Xaros up on Cape Cod. So I do that with uh, I drove out there at a I've got like a truck bed camper. So I take my dogs and then I drove out there with Rose actually from Weapons and. Uh, yeah, we uh, we drove from here to like all the way up to New Hampshire and then back down to the Cape. Took these guys with me. It was a blast. Damn. Yeah. That's sick. Taking on a couple trips, yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, I feel like SOI is kind of the same as boot camp. Like, kind of blurry. I'd like to go back and do it again and just kind of like uh, pay attention to like everything. You know what I mean? Like, just kind of like. <laughs> understand the knowledge and stuff that I, that's like being like taught to us and i feel like even that for boot camp it's like you know nobody really realizes that we get like just classes upon classes classes of knowledge of like you know history and like law and stuff like that 
but uh, I wish I could just go back and do all that stuff and just be like, okay, I get, you know, effectively to shoot this machine gun, like this is how I can do it and not just, you know, kind of be an idiot about it. Yeah, dude. And that's, and that's gotta be a tough job for those guys to train idiots like us. You know, they've already, oh, a yeah. lot of those instructors had already been to fucking combat, you know, yep. we're talking about 2006, 2007 timeframe. And like they've some already, real shit. They've already been, you know, they're sergeants yeah. and shit. Now they've already came back. Probably they were on the initial wave and they're trying to fucking get that into our stupid heads. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like, we know there's a war going on, but we're like, we don't understand that shit. Like they, yeah, we're playing call of duty. (laughs) Yeah. You know? No, I'm just saying definitely retain it, retaining the information a little better would be something. Not that I didn't. I mean, I think it all, you know, until you get to the fleet anyway, all that shit gets retaught to you the way you're. Yeah. Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah. And that's, and yeah. And, and that's when I kind of feel like, you know, that's, that's a true Marine Corps, you know, once you get in, you start getting hazed, you know, and you're like, you're getting shit out by somebody that like eventually you're going to build a bond with and isn't like, you know, passing you on to the next, uh, the next person. Yeah. But dude, I, I love the fleet, man. I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, like, I, like I said, when I started, I was like, I wasn't, initially planning on going in for anything other than like getting out and becoming a cop. So it was like, I just want to do my four, get out. And, you know, college wasn't on my mind at all. I was like, I don't really, really give a shit. You know what I mean? I was like, cool, free college. But that wasn't like my thought at all. That was like the furthest thing. But yeah, I got in, man. It was just fun. It was like me and all you dudes and like hanging out. And it's like no parents, you get to run around and do whatever you want, you know. Like, oh, here's this card that you can get as much food as you want at any one of these uh, chow halls on base. Done. Yeah. Oh, here's a seven day store that sells booze 24 hours a day. Done. Here's Domino's. Here's Domino's that's 400 yards from your barracks. Like, come on. Like, you, like you, you got to admit the like the barracks and and the military like. It is a pretty like a pretty cool atmosphere. Like you know, at face value, it's like you. It's you know, I meet a lot of guys who are, are college dudes, and you know, they're all you know, they they all did all their college stuff before, and now you know they're businessmen and stuff. But meeting those guys and like hanging out with them, like, and even one of the guys said it to me. He's like, dude, he's like, like these dudes are the same as like Marines. They just got to do it with chicks. And, you know, in a way cooler environment, you know what I'm saying? Like the guys at UNCW got the same experience we got, but they got to do it in a much more pleasant spot of North Carolina than we did. You know, it's uh, it, it, and like, you know, we, we just had all dudes, which made the, the entire experience a lot more, uh, I don't know, a lot more memorable for one, but I don't know, man, it's hard to explain. Like, you know how it is you guys know how it is there's dudes everywhere and it's like the most homoerotic and the most like (laughs) you know and the most like masculine place at the same time you know i'm saying it's like and at that time i felt like the internet and computers and stuff we were we didn't really use them like everybody else did like we had computers and internet we used skype and we weren't writing papers and stuff like that so it's like 
it was like a totally different like experience when you look at it but we all like it was just like we all kind of shared, shared the same experience you know but after our semester of school we went and you know got fucked up you know we went and got blown up and, and shot at and stuff for a bit but but yeah man it, it's it's crazy and I, I feel like like going through school now and understanding it's just like the the habits that we are as creatures man like humans like it's crazy like it like you know just trying to tie in the whole like it's all just kind of the same experience we just got to do it with guns you know yeah kind of like you said you know about it being all dudes you know not not anything against females or women i think they're very capable and, and could definitely do the job better than you know a lot of fucking shitbag dudes could have yeah. no problem. Oh, but like you're oh, saying, we have plenty of guys for sure. Oh yeah. That they could have outdone. But like you're saying, like when it's just a whole pack of fucking dudes that are, you know, doing homoerotic shit, yeah. like it's next level, like debauchery shit. You don't yeah. do or say around fucking females. No. Or you wouldn't, if, if there was a female, there doing the same job. You were, you're not coming to Boston. You're set out on somebody, you know, or, you know, farting on her head or something like that. You're just not going to do that kind of shit. So sharing flashlights with each other, you know, things right. like that. You're not, you know, you know, <laughs> like it's, Oh dude, it's, it's absolutely wild. I feel like, I feel like it's college, but amplified, you know, it's like amplified in all the, in all the negative lights, but also in like all the positive lights too. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I still talk to dudes that, you know, like daily, you know, I talk to Neverett and some of these other guys, like, you know, every day, most of the time, you know, and it's not even through like social media, it's like phone calls or we were just FaceTiming for you guys, you know, before I jumped down with you guys, but it's, yeah, and I, it, I, I think too, just because of like you know with the college and, and how everything's orchestrated and everything, the military is very similar. But the the main difference is like the hardships that we go through, yeah. not just yep. not just the deployment stuff, but the training and like just being fucking miserable yeah. and like commiserating yeah, yeah. with your boys is like one of the best bond forming things you can do. That's what yeah, makes you, you know, so. Not that I've no, been absolutely. in a college setting, but I mean, I'm sure that's, that's gotta be the biggest difference, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, and you know, the, nobody's roofing you at the barracks, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, no, I definitely agree with you there. You know, it's, it's, uh, and you know, it's, it's hard to explain to people, you know, it's like until, you know, like, cause PTSD, everybody can suffer from PTSD, you know, it's like, you know, and, the, and that's a fact, and you, and we can see that, <clears throat> but there's, there's a thing about, like, veteran PTSD, and sharing that PTSD together, and, like, the common bond that you've gone through, you know, whether it was, like, boot camp stories, or you guys just had the worst fucking day of your life out, you know, uh, past the wire, it's, like, you, you get those bonds, and you, you have those stories, and it's, like, those stories are what, like I love and I appreciate now and I'm being older and it's harder to remember them, you know, and it's hard to remember who was there and who and names and, you know, specifics of it. You know, it's like, uh, like I was telling, uh, like I was saying earlier, you know, I set my picture and I've got like, <clears throat> I've got like six, seven pictures from both of my deployments. You know what I mean? 
and it was just kind of at the time just oh, I don't want to take pictures of kind of a hard ass and you know now I'm like shit I wish I would have had all that you know <clears throat> but it's like being able to like share those stories and share those memories with the guys that you know that did make it through and just like oh man you know the hardships through it I feel like that bond is just nowhere near you know in my opinion uh, and you know I just think it's nowhere near as as close as anybody can come to without having you know experienced things like that or or been with those people during those times you know yeah it's uh it and I, I you know like I really do I don't know I just love I love being older now and being able to appreciate everything that we've gone through and looking back. And it's like, man, I really want to connect with these dudes. Like I, I need to get it out and, you know, I'd like to start doing more and seeing these guys more, you know, and, and it's, it's tough. Everybody's grown up. They've got lives, kids, people have kids and, you know, careers and stuff. So I think, uh, I think just being able to connect and, you know, in this light as well now, I think this is great. Um, you know, be your guys' podcast. Like, I think it's awesome. Um, and those bonds, man, it's it's crazy. And, you know, talking to Jose, you know, and realizing again that we were at boot camp together. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, holy shit, that's right. You know, and I forgot about the the bag nasties they gave us from the, from <laughs> the you know, from the chow. But uh, yeah, man, there, there's just nothing like it. And I, it's, with my experience as well, uh, from like veterans, you know, <clears throat> veterans as a whole, I'm like going on different uh, trips and things like that with uh, certain veteran groups. You see a lot of army vets. You see a lot of army vets because they're the next, uh, you know, the next combat related job next to, you know, the Navy. And then you get, uh, you know, Air Force and stuff and you don't really get too many combat vets through there. But you see these guys and it's just like, it's so weird to me it, army guys national guard guys they their bond isn't the same they almost feel to me they almost feel look awkward together you know what i mean it's like we get around marines and like even if we've never served together i've met some of the closest guys i know through these organizations that served in iraq one and two you know what i'm saying and like it's just like immediate you're able to jump in with a marine you're able it, you know whatever whatever time of war you know, whatever, whatever it is, like you're able to jump in with a Marine and the bond is just like instant. It's like, it's just weird to me. And then I see army guys or, you know, Navy guys, if they were, you know, corpsmen on the green side, they, they jump right in with the Marines, but it, it just doesn't, you don't see that, that bond in that, like draw, you know, drawing together that you do in these other, uh, in these other uh, branches, at least in my opinion, from what I've seen, you know, it's just, it's crazy uh, how we can just come together and it's just right away. You know, it's immediate, like, like we're soulmates almost, you know what I mean? It's crazy, man. Yeah, uh, for sure, man. I always, I always tap into it through the uh, philosophical lens. Uh, That's why I love Aristotle, his conception of friendship, which is basically you see a part of yourself and the other person and the other person sees a part of themselves in you and, you know, some of the research that I do, and it's, it sounds absolutely insane when you, when you hear it this way, but 
I think it goes beyond, you know, it's like we tap into this metaphysical component of what they call an anomalous cognition or psychical abilities. It's like, you know, intuitively, you know, through the sixth sense that there's something there. And, you know, so, and, and actually that's one of the, one of the reasons, you know, part of this, like the podcast and a part of like the book research is I want to bring anomalous cognition side into the mental health realm. And I think there's a way where we can identify specific markers where we can actually identify and act on those intuitions by using specific things like biofeedback, but it has to be encrypted. So I do think that on some, you know, you know, I, I you know, like panpsychism, like everything is, is somewhat aware. And I think that that's how these bonds form. And I've gone, and I've considered everything from, the amino chains in the, in, the, in the gene systems, all the way to uh, exchanging DNA, whether you drink from someone's canteen, whether you gave someone's hug. Um, yeah. And I mean, I've considered all these options, especially considering, you know, the battle space, but it's like, it's crazy because there's guys that have, and, I, I, and we'll, I'm sure we'll tap into it, but there's guys that have checked out and dude, about a week or two before they've checked out, I had this fucking, you know, this sixth sense, call the motherfucker, call the motherfucker. And I failed to act on it, man. It's like the phantom limb, bro. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to that, man. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's crazy you mentioned that because so uh, I think like six or seven years ago, um, I was hit up by one of the guys at the hospital after I got injured and he was like, Hey man, there's this organization called wishes for warriors and they take guys out on, uh, you know, hunting trips and they do all this stuff and you know, it's great. They were just getting started. So I hit up bam. Who's the, who's the CEO of it. And he's like, it's like, yeah, man, we can get you out, whatever you want to do. He's like, I've got a house down in Baja. We can go fishing, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, that's cool, man. I'll do, you know, whatever. Bam's a Marine. He was in, uh, he was in, uh, he was in tracks for like Iraq one and two. And then I want to say, and just a hard ass, like been through it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we get out there and <clears throat> never met the guy except through Instagram and just like talking to him on the phone, like once or twice. And we, he picks me up. Um, we, we go to Cali cause we're driving down to Bob. So I fly into Cali, known the guy for maybe like six hours, you know, we start having drinks and stuff and, and, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of bar hopping in Temecula area and we, we get to this one bar and I don't know what it was, but there was these guys who like had a problem with me, man. I don't know what, it, I don't know. I have no clue what it was. I was like literally grabbing drinks from the bar. You're like passing my leg around, drinking out of it, like having a good time with <laughs> people. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're, like, high-fiving. Like, everybody was just, like, having a great time with us. And it's, like, still, you know, well, I guess it, it was later in the, in the evening. But, yeah, so we're having a good time. And he's got, like, I grab these drinks and I turn. And I don't, I feel like they might have been Marines also. And I, like, turn and one of them's, like, one of them's, like, you good, bro? And I've got, like, two drinks in my hand. I'm, like, what? He's, like, are you good, bro? And I was, like, yeah, hang on. So I like put these drinks down and Bam's talking to somebody. And I had just met Bam this day, like earlier today. And I tapped Bam on the arm and he looks at me and I literally gave him a head nod. I was just like, he gives me a head nod back. 
And then this was the biggest brawl I've ever been in my life. Oh, yeah. Dude, it was the most outrageous thing that I've ever been a part of. Like they like I ended up hitting this first guy, and this other guy hits me, bam hits this guy, and we're just going back and forth on these dudes. And and it was it was just madness, man. There was like 30 people, like seriously, in a bar that just broke out in a fight. They were throwing <laughs> stuff like chairs are getting thrown bam like like hip tosses it he thought it was a chick who was like scratching him and he like hip tosses her finds out it's like this older dude with long hair and he like kicks him. dude it was nuts man we get get kicked out of the bar but like but like you go you saying you know it's just like some sort of like telepathic or just something like i didn't know bam we were just marines it was like he had no clue what was going on in my head i had no clue what he might have thought i was thinking and here we are getting into a massive fight with each other. And it was just like, we had each other's, he had my back essentially. Cause I was the one, I guess who initiated it after all that, but <laughs> you know, but it's just like that bond, you know? And, and now today I run uh, wishes recreational uh, outdoor recreational therapy clinics. So uh, just this past October, we had guys out for golfing had like 10 vets for a golfing clinic. Um, I hosted seven vets out here a couple months ago for a snowboarding clinic out here in Utah. We got them on some, some big, big mountains and some good snow. So, but yeah, I mean, me and Bam are, man, we're, we're bros. Like last year I got to watch him take down this elk with, uh, with his bow and no, man, we're in, you know, from the time meeting him to now, it's just, it's, it's been that bond that we all talk about you know it's like it was like him and i were in iraq together he was in afghanistan you know it's just like it's just that common ground you know i think it really i don't know i think other branches just don't have it as 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 much as we do but i think it also comes from getting shit on the most too you know (laughs) so fucking hand-me-downs that's all we get dude everything everything (laughs) i was everything my my rifle on my third combat tour broke on me like fucking three four fucking times and like two times we're on a patrol bro so I'm, the only thing i have is like my m203 dude and i'm literally holding it like this of course <laughs> yeah dude that shit was nuts for hey, like you got point <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude fuck that yeah it, it, it it's like i don't know i feel like you have to go through those experiences though you know like i don't know it was some of the some of the shittiest time in my life was some of the greatest times that i've had with some of the most amazing people you know and it's like uh, i feel like now being a civilian and just like i'm constantly looking for the next like I don't know, experience that we had, you know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely don't want to go back to getting shot at or blown up, you know, but I'm, I'm looking for somewhere. It's like, man, this is, this is pretty legit. Like I, I can sustain this for, for a while, you know, but yeah, just the Marine Corps, man. I, I feel like it's definitely molded and, and changed me in like a more positive direction, you know? And uh, I think being injured has also done that too. So yeah, do you want if you don't mind, I mean, whatever you want to talk about that. I feel like yeah, anybody, yeah. anybody that might listen to this that that uh, <laughs> don't don't know your story, 
I would uh, appreciate if you shared that. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, so yeah, we, you know, we talked about boot camp and SOI and went to fleet and uh, we did Iraq and then, you know, 09, we all got deployed to, uh, I guess it was Southern Hellman in Afghanistan. Like that time was the most, the furthest South anybody has gone at that time. So I don't know. I felt like we were pretty, I felt like we were pretty fortunate. I don't know how you guys felt about it. Like I, yeah. I felt fortunate enough to be a part of that. You know, like it felt pretty cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we got down there and, um, man, this is crazy. Yeah. So we got, we got to Afghanistan. I remember, um, remember getting there. We were there for like a month or so. We had no supplies. You guys remember all that stuff? <laughs> we had no trucks. We had no cruisers. Yeah. We were, I remember I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, we used to, oh no, I was telling Buttermine, I was like, we used to, it was like we were on Leatherneck and we were the first ones there and they're like, here's your tents and your your LSA or whatever is all the way down there like a mile away and we're like carrying these massive fucking tents. But uh I was like there wasn't any, there was nobody guarding that at the time. You guys remember the posts and they'd have like uh like tent poles as like mock guns so that it looked like somebody's getting yeah. the post. But yeah, we you know we we got out there and we did that for for a month and um I don't know how it was for you guys at least when we had uh lieutenant smythe like he kept us like we were still patrolling on base we we're still doing stuff kind of like kind of like still working up towards the deployment but spent the whole month doing that and then we finally got word that you know echoes gonna be made an effort and then you know weapons company is going to be in support and they're they're putting weapons company guys certain places um and then you know, like golf company is doing whatever with the DA or Fox was doing that or something. I, I remember those. Yeah, yeah, no golf company ended up like hiking down to uh, hiking down to Echo. They did like six days or something like that where they just fucking hiked and then got heloed back and did it again. But but yeah, so you guys remember that? <laughs> so, yeah, so they got fucked up. Dude, they got fucked so hard. Yeah. Dude, they got, and I, I got to that too. Yeah, dude, I think the battalion commander kind of didn't like didn't like golf too much. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, man. I, I don't think anybody liked the battalion commander. Remember when they shit on his guide on or his uh, his name point? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude. But I but, do remember uh, before we get before you get to the nitty gritty. I remember being on. Yeah. I think we were in those big ass tents, like those 50 man tents or whatever yeah. on Leatherneck, you know, with the AC that brought it down to like 103 degrees in there. Yeah. And I remember, I forgot who it was, but weapons was too gunny Wilkin was like, yeah, I'm right by the AC. The fucker ends up getting sick. Cause it's blowing like sub zero fucking air right onto yeah. his top. I'm like, you're a fool, dude. I went to the like middle of the shit. I'm like, you're fucking sick, bro. It's hundred fucking 30 degrees outside and you're sleeping next to 30 three degree air bro but i remember it was a big deal because i think echo was like right next to us or close by and at night dude we started this shit where i forget who was doing it i didn't personally do it but dude, we, we were sending runners streaking through their fucking tents dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> and like it turned into this big deal because <laughs> they started doing it back or they came over to like <laughs> <laughs> Dude, man. But I forget like the company commander I think 
or whoever, <laughs> like they got everybody out there and they're like, you're going to cut this bullshit out. We're losing our minds, you know? <laughs> but, Dude, yeah, I remember that. That shit was fucking great, man. It was great. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, we all started getting our orders and stuff. And, you know, I was with Weapons Company with, uh, oh, you know, it's actually hilarious, but it just made me laugh. But before all this, so I was, you know, I was at Echo Company for Iraq. And then uh, you guys talking with uh, Shoemaker about uh, the whole split that these guys did. Yeah. And we got sent and stuff. And I got sent. Um, because all this drugs and, and stuff was being sent out of there, I got sent to like H&S for Iraq. And then from there, it got sent to Weapons Company when we got back. So I was heavy guns and Weapons Company. And then we did all of CAGS. And then uh, I think it was right when we did the split, right when they told us like, hey, we're not going to Iraq, we're going to Afghanistan. I remember getting back to, I remember getting back to the, the tent in CAGS and Cesar Bennett comes up to me. He's like, yeah, Davila, pack up all your shit. You're going to anti armor and just walked away from me. And I was like, What? <laughs> he was like, Yeah, you gotta go. I walked over. I was like, Yo, Steph, sorry, dude, what's up? He's like, Yeah, getting crutchy, uh, sending you to anti armor. We're taking whoever else. And I was like, Okay, cool. So I just literally did all this with you guys. Now I'm a month before we leave. I'm going to, you know, going to another company. So I ended up, you know, we ended up getting switched to uh, Cap Platoons. So it made sense, but uh, but yeah, so I was, I think it was Cat 3. So, like, for us, they were gonna uh, Hilo insert everybody, and then Cat 3, we hung around on base uh, July 2nd, um, pretty much waiting for I guess whatever happened, which uh, which Sharp was killed, and that started on the second, you know, so. So Echo Echo got out there. We were sitting around. I feel like there was another weapons platoon at at uh, Delhi with us. <clears throat> I can't remember, but so we had all that happen with with Sharp uh, getting killed, and we got the call, and they're like, "Hey, you need to load it up." Echo's been. We were listening to Echo all day, just getting shit on by you know the firefight they were in for like nine hours or something. So they're like, they're out of food, water, and rounds. Like, you guys need to load up your trucks as much as you can. And Jose, that's actually that picture I sent you that I'm with, where I'm like smiling and Rodney, I'm with Rodney there. Um, that's us getting all our gear together that night. To we're loading our trucks up. So we're like grabbing all our Willie peas, like literally all the grenades we can. I remember getting getting up and I'm, and we're in MRAPs at this time. And I'm like sitting on boxes of ammo. Like I don't even have like a gun strap. We're just loaded. Like you can't see out of any windows. It's like dock pars in the back, just food chow and fucking ammo everywhere. It's like, it, it was, it was cool. You know, it's like 20 years old, 21. You're like, man, this is fucking heavy. Like this is dope as shit, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, you, you, you get the call that there, that somebody was killed. And you don't know who it is because it comes in, you know, I think it was like Echo 3 Sierra or something like that, you know, and then, you know, for me being an Echo, like just trying to rack my brains. I remember Spalding being there and him and I were just like, what the, who is it, you know, and just trying to figure out that and then getting all our, our gear together. And then um, it just really kind of like settled in at that time where it was just like, holy shit, like we're not, we're not in training anymore. We're not, you know, we're not 
you know, as invincible as we'd like to believe at that age, you know? So it was just like, it, it was the whole night leading up to it was, was the whole night leading up to get, getting a sharp or getting to Echo's Paws was like just a, a really like, like a somber experience. Just like it, we're getting everything ready. We're all having a good time, but we know that we're about to get in some serious shit apparently from what we've been hearing. So, you know, we get out there the next day on the third and uh, right away I'm trying to ask everybody like, who is it? You know, who is it? And, you know, I finally, I think it might've been Bradham or someone. It was like, it was sharp. And I was just like, like for me that like sharp was my roommate before Afghanistan, before I switched to weapons while I was still in echo and sharp was just a great dude, you know, and it, it just really, it was really tough hearing that. And I think like, I didn't really accept it at first. So it made it, it made it hard to, it made it hard to believe anybody who said it was sharp. So it was like, I, I probably asked like 20 dudes, honestly, I, I asked so many people just to make sure. And, um, you know, it was just like that was going on at that time stood like the war finally getting there and then hearing someone really close to you, you know, that was just killed uh, was just like a whole different experience than anything else that we had gone through. You know, you guys talked about Iraq and how it was, you know, so it was just like, holy shit. You know, so we got there that day and we got in some firefights. And I remember it, they dropped a JDM like danger close to us and. Um, I remember Zaros, who was in our truck, the VC in our truck. So we get there and Lasher is a driver and Zaros is a VC and Parr is the corpsman and everybody's set up everywhere, but except for our truck, we literally have nothing to do. And like everybody's shooting and you're like, you just want to get into it. And there's, you can't do it. Like we're literally the only truck and the only people not doing anything. I was sitting inside the truck, like watching everybody fucking just go to town on this, like um, on these houses that they're just leveling and like even Zaro's popped out and there's a picture of him on time magazine. And that's where that picture came from when he came, when he jumped out of a truck and he's like down there with his saw and it's like him and pleasure are next to each other. But, uh, but yeah, that was like right when we got to echo and we did all that that first day. And um, it was just kind of pretty wild that whole month, you know, for, I feel like for everybody, like we had being with echo and being the main effort, well, them being the main effort and us being there and, and Major Metter and all of them, it's like, I felt like we really got to see the war. You know, I, I, I can't remember where you guys were, but like for us, it was like, dude, bombs getting dropped, like mortars getting launched, like literally smalls, like eight, like AT4s, everything's just getting, just sent out this entire month of July um, where we were. And then we're, you know, we're constantly getting helicopters coming in because it's echo and they're, you know, we're supporting them. So it was like, it was really cool um, being able to experience that and, and being in during that part of history. But, uh, but yeah, it was a really wild month, <clears throat> but we, yeah, for us, we, we spent the whole time with echo. Um, we set up some roadblocks, <laughs> set up some roadblocks to get into the bazaar and stuff like that. And, um, we inserted a couple special forces like units in that a few times and we did things here and there here and there and we got sent around to where they needed us um, from Echo's Paws for that whole month. So that was the third until like the probably the 17th or something like that. And then we were running low on fuel, running low on ammo, 
a lot of the helos that were coming in and trying to drop off supplies were getting shot at. They're, so they they weren't bringing in as much as they could. So we finally had to go back and resupply. Um, so we were waiting for another one of our sections to come back um, and relieve us. And then we were going to go back to Delhi, get fuel, get food and water and all that. And then we're going to do like a week, a week of QRF, you know, just some like bounce around here and there from different bases and stuff. So we're like leaving, we get all our stuff together in the morning. And we, I want to say like probably left around like 11 or 12, <clears throat> but there was one rolled in and I want to say it was Cowboys that were on. We took Cowboys out and on the way out, we were the third truck and our first truck, um, our first truck got hit by IED. So I think that one was like 60 pounds. So that was like Staff Sergeant Breen, Uncle was in there. I want to say Badani, uh, Dart, our our uh, our bomb dog, Tips his handler, and then I think maybe the Terp was in there. But they got hit. Nothing was wrong. Um, it was in a big old MRAP. We had we started off with four MRAPs in the deployment, and then and then Boater T kept saying they wanted their MRAPs or not their M we have max pros and MRAPs and they were like, we want these back. So we sent two, we had sent two back. So then we had uh, two max pros and two Humvees. So then right before that, right before we left, they were like, Hey, staff Sergeant brings like, Hey, uh, motor T wants another MRAP back. He's like, and I'm not giving him mine. So he ended up taking our MRAP. So we switched out all the good shit that was in his MRAP, put it in ours. They took our MRAP. We took the shitty one because we're going to turn that one in. And then they ended up getting hit on the way out and destroying that one. It blew like a tire off. You know, like I said, everybody was good. Um, we just literally waited there all fucking day to get the shit cleaned up. Like, uh, I think Echo maybe pushed out a patrol and we got the wreckers out there and everything. We literally got out. Like, we left in the morning and we were maybe a couple hundred yards from Echo's, like, gates. And we sat there until like almost dark. So we started um, headed back to Delhi, which was like, I want to say like a two hour drive, but uh, we're headed back. We ended up getting halted that night and battalion was like, you guys need to stop right there and set up for the night. And we're like, we're three Humvees on the most dangerous road in this part of Afghanistan. And they're putting up IDs. Like we're literally talking and we're like, we're literally hearing guys digging right now like we're shooting loom rounds we can't see them but we can hear guys digging and they're like you guys need to stay right there we're like we're, we can't so we ended up there was a there was a british base on the way back and we stopped in there it's spent the night and then headed back and uh we got hit and i I'll never forget it. we get back to delhi and first sergeant Payne comes up to us and doesn't say anything doesn't ask anybody anything and he's he like walks around like Peeks to everyone and then goes up to the staff sergeant Breen. He's like, "Hey, uh, your Marines' hair are getting kind of long." And I was like, "What?" Like, he, like I stood up and I remember, you know, Zaro's just being like, "Dude, chill." Like, I was like, "This guy didn't say anything. We just tips got medevac back for like whiplash when they got hit." But it was like, "That's what you're worried about, dude." Like, we've been out there getting shit on for the last two or three weeks. But so we did that and we. Uh, we had that whole month of quick reaction force, you know, and we, we did a couple, couple things. I think uh, Fox had two M wraps that got stuck and then we ended up getting hit. 
on the way out to go help them and recover them. So we ended up having to stay in the middle of the night, like just three trucks in the middle of this fucking little like town. It was like super sketchy. We did that for one night and then just bounce around and grab, you know, ran things around for people. But we ended up going back to Echo um, after that week. So as we're heading back, um, you know, we're taking the same route back and there was like the open desert we got to drive through and stuff. So as we're driving, like, I think we halted for something. Oh, so, all right. So let me back up. So that night, that, that second time we got blown up, um, headed to go help out those uh, vehicles that were stuck. Xaros used to take Lasher's uh, rifle when he would get out of the truck because Lasher was a driver and Zaros had a uh, had a saw, so he didn't want to like have to run back and back and forth between trucks and stuff to you know with a saw. So he'd grab his rifle, so he grabbed it and gave it back to Lasher, and Lasher like put it back between the seats like how we'd always do like pinch it between, and then like however long went by and we were gonna get out of the trucks to do something and Lasher goes to grab his rifle and it slipped off of safe and it fired around into our engine block of this Humvee <laughs> that we have. Yeah. <laughs> so it fired around into it and then it just starts leaking like all this coolant or something. Like we had no clue. Um, so then we could, it, yeah, it was like our fuel pump or something because we would turn it on and then it would just start shooting out gas. So we had to keep it off all night and then, you know, yeah, dude. And it's like, you know, you see, like, these guys are saving fucking lives out there. It's like, no, man, we're, are, we're fucking ourselves by shooting our own equipment, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, so we had, you know, we had that happen, and we, uh, after that, then we had to go back to, I want to say it was Dwyer, one of the big bases that had all the, the trucks and that, but we get back there, and they're going to give us an MRAP but, and trade out the Humvee we had, um, so they give us an MRAP and we get in the MRAP has no AC and they're like well you can't run you know how big these are with the armor and they're like you can't run these without AC like this thing will just die on you so they're like come back in a week we'll have the AC ready for you we're like dude this isn't pet boys like we can't just come back in a week you know <laughs> it's like okay so you know so they give us they give us a Humvee for this week and they give us a newer Humvee and that um, so that's what we ended up with when we got hit but you know starting out to the point we had a max pro which would i mean we'd have been fine in but uh so we get this tumbee and then we end up going back to echo's pause on the way back we break we break our toe straps trying to help a civilian vehicle who got stuck in the sand so it was like yeah it just, it, looking back now it's just like holy shit like how do we even like there's just so much shit working against us it felt like but uh, yeah, I remember that morning just like waking up. I wrote some letters back home. Then we headed back to Echo's Paws and broke that strap. So once we finally got to Echo, there was like a little wadi or drainage ditch that our other section had found an IED on the day before. So uh, my truck, and I want to say the first truck or the set. No, no, it was my truck and the fourth truck because it was Spalding and Rodney and I forget who else. Uh, but they were behind us. So we, the, my truck and, and Dan's truck behind us set up security while truck one and two pushed in to echo, um, pushing to echo. And then another one of our sections sent out two trucks to relieve us. 
So we, they came out, they relieved us, they set up security there. We went back into Echo. And then the other section was going to take their two, two trucks and leave. Um, once we get into Echo, our first truck, and it's just like, I feel like this all sounds so confusing because there's just like so much shit. But our first truck, which was our only MRAP now, or a Max Pro, was slipping into one of the canals that was right in Echo's paws. So now we don't have any tow straps and the tow straps are on the two trucks that just relieved us. So it was like, well, shit, we need to go. We need to get these guys out of here before we lose our fucking third truck, you know, in a week's time. So we were losing trucks left and right. It was crazy. But uh, so we ended up, we ended up coming in. I think my truck was first. Then Dan trucks was right behind us. And we flip around and we do like a three point turn and then, we were going to let Dan's truck go in front. Um, but then I remember Zaro's just being like, go, go, go. Just haul ass. They'll catch up to us. So we we haul ass and they start, you know, they're behind us. And uh, I remember seeing the crater from the week before when we got hit. And we already had a bunch of trucks pass us. But I remember seeing the crater and just thinking, holy shit, we're flying. I'm going to get bucked out of this gun if I don't. You know, I was the gunner. I was like, if I, if I don't hold on, I'm going to get bucked out of his gun. So I remember kind of tensing up, putting my leg on the radio, like grabbing the handles as we're like going over this. And as soon as we hit it, it just went black. Like that was like, everything went black. And then I remember like, you know, you like being on a roller coaster, like sudden drops where you're just like, you you feel like the drop in your stomach and your nuts. And then you're just like, oh shit. You know, just like, I felt, I felt that like feeling but everything was black. And I was like, this feels, I was like, why does it feel really weird? I was like, what is going on? Like, I can't see anything. I was like, what is the deal? And then I just remember like, kind of like the smoke, like literally clearing in that and just like, like laying on the ground and just like kind of in a daze for a second. I was just kind of not really understanding what was happening. I was just like looking around. I'm like, I was just in a Humvee. I was like, why aren't in a Humvee? I was like, this doesn't make sense. And then I like realized, you know, your ears are ringing and it's just like super loud and, it, you know, it's disorienting and you're like, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, we just got hit. I was like, I was like, we just got hit. So I like, I start like, you know, I go to stand up is the first thing I do. I like put my arms up to stand up and I like my legs just give out. You know, like my left leg was pretty, uh, pretty beat up. I know I fractured like, uh, a tail is in there and just like pretty much destroyed my entire ankle and then my right leg was pretty mangled and I just kind of remember like looking and being like holy shit like this isn't good so I like like right away I, I looked at my flak and I, I was looking for my tourniquet and I couldn't find anything like everything had been blown off I couldn't really see much because I took like some shrapnel to the eye so like it was just all kind of like a haze and then I remember being like this isn't good like I remember having like a moment of panic where I was like, I'm going to get kidnapped. I was like, they're going to come and grab me. Like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Like, what do I do? Dude, I tell you, man, it was like, they're going to start shooting. I was like, and I'm going to get kidnapped. I was like, I know it. So I'm like trying to look around and I grab, I start grabbing dirt and rocks and I'm like throwing it. And I'm like, I'm over here. You know, I'm, I'm here. Like you guys uh, come grab me or something. And I want, I, I couldn't tell you how far I was from the truck, but I know I was a good distance. I remember seeing, like my turret probably like 10 meters from me, like the entire turret. It's probably like 
eight or 900 pounds just laying in the dirt next to me with, you know, with everything. So it was like, I'm sure I got blown pretty good. We got hit with like a hundred pounds of explosives. Damn. So I remember just being there and, and uh, I remember after like doing all that and just kind of like trying to figure out, I had no rifle, I had nothing near me. You know what I mean? So it was like, I remember Baker and uh, Carter, two boots who come up to me, two boots who were 52s who picked up corporal that I've got to like call corporal, but are my boots. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> weird, but they, you know, they come up to me and I was like, get the fuck away from me boots. You know what the fuck you're doing? they they just start like dying and i'm like no seriously don't fucking touch me (laughs) you know so but uh but you know they start doing the first aid and and training kicks in and and uh i remember spalding getting up to me and and uh i don't think rodney was there i think he was in the gun still but i remember just everybody getting up to me and just kind of like you know, now just kind of like feeling relieved, not really feeling any pain, just kind of like, I don't know, it was just, it was just super weird. Just, I was awake for everything. Like, so I, I felt like I was coherent, but like everybody starts doing all the, all, all medical touching. Castle comes up to me, you know, and everybody's up there and, and uh, these two boots did put the tourniquet on wrong. So Castle, oh, we put the tourniquet on, yeah. You know, Castle Reef puts a tourniquet on and then uh, it puts like another one on. And then, <laughs> dude, it was it was a shit show, man. It wasn't tight enough, you know. So so they, they started, they're like, we need to set your leg. We need to put your leg in a splint or whatever, my left leg. And I'm like, okay. So they're like, all right, we're going to have to grab you. And I just remember like screaming like, like I don't know. It, I don't know how it sounded to anybody else. To me, it sounded like, the most terrifying scream that I could ever imagine. You know what I mean? But, and then I just like stopped on a dime and I remember Spalding being like, Davila, Davila, Davila. I was like, what? He's like, Oh, I thought you left, buddy. I was like, where the fuck am I going to go? Like, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I remember being irritated. And at this time my eyes are covered because, you know, I took some, uh, some debris there and I couldn't really see so they like cover them for you know and then I remember somebody saying something that was just like super annoying and I was like who the fuck is that tell him shut the fuck up or something it was like <laughs> uh hey it's the villa it's lieutenant phillips I was like oh shit I'm sorry sir <laughs> you know he's just like uh it, it was it, it was just relieving knowing that Every everybody was there one and that everybody knew what they were doing at that point. But yeah, it was pretty wild, man. I, I remember laying there and you know, my eyes were covered at the time and just kind of going back and forth with the guys and talking to them and uh, you know, Spalding just saying, Hey man, you're going home and you know, things like that. And then hearing I remember hearing screams, like somebody screaming, and I found out later that it was par. Um, he like shattered his shins or something like that and was up and walking and like the dude, I don't even know how he did it, but he was up walking and just like screaming and stuff. And, um, I remember hearing like moans and that, and then just asking who that was. Um, and then them telling me that's, you know, Zaros and then hearing more moans and they're like, Oh, that's, you know, that's Lasher. And, 
and just kind of waiting. I remember, I remember Dale being there and uh, I remember him calling in the bird and stuff like that or relaying it. I know he had a part of it, but I kind of remember everything that happened that day. Um, and then just, yeah, the bird, I felt like the bird took forever, but I guess it took like 30 minutes or so, but I uh, got there, picked us up and yeah, it took me out to Dwyer maybe. Um, I think I was there for like a day or two. Uh, they got me, they got me settled, uh, stable in that. I remember, um, oh yeah. So my, I, my, uh, I, my plate carry on me and then Baker unclipped it or someone unclipped it and like threw it over, just like unclipped one side and threw it over and then dislocated my shoulder while all that went on. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so it was yeah. like, dude, it was wild, man. So like, I remember my shoulder being the most pain that I had and, uh, I remember Spalding telling me, I was like, how's it look, dude? I was like, tell me. He's like, you want me to be honest? I was like, yeah. He's like, dude, it looks like a, your leg looks like an S, you know, and uh, talking about my right leg. And then, and then I remember getting on a Hilo, Hilo, like it was JP or PJs. And I actually, which is crazy. I met those PJs who picked me up out in Jackson Hole of all places randomly one year. Oh, we started talking. Dude, it was crazy. We started talking. They were like, that's our other fucking team. And then we ended up going out later, and I got to meet all those guys. Dude, it was, it was nuts. But uh, I remember pick, getting picked up, getting in the helo, and just, like, laying there and just thinking, like, fuck. Like, it was, like, not really, honestly, knowing what to think. It was just, like, well, you know, just, like, holy shit. So I get in, and I asked, like, one of the guys, I was, like, how's my leg look? Like, what do you guys think? You'd be able to save it? And he's, like uh i don't know man but it's a below the knee and i was like what the fuck are you talking about like you know you, you you never you don't know about things until you have to experience them or you find interest in them you know what i mean so like below the knee for me it was just like completely shocking but now fast forward you know 11 years it's like holy shit i got lucky compared to some guys but uh yeah i remember getting back to i want to say i think it was dwyer um and it being brand new and there was no uh there's no flight deck or anything so it was just like gravel like my eyes were covered but i remember being on the litter and getting rolled through and it was like the most uncomfortable fucking litter ride i've ever been on this is just like every bump and and like rock that they hit and it was like my shoulder was dislocated and i was just like bouncing I remember getting in there and they, they get me on and I met the corpsman who received us at, at, at in Afghanistan, who received us off of the bird. I ended up meeting him in DC. He was x-raying me one time and he was like, dude, I, you know, I remember you guys coming in and there was two of you and blah, blah, but it was wild, man. I've had a couple stories like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I get into the hospital, I, I guess where I was and, um, they put like oxygen on me. And I was like, before they put it out, I'm like, I'm starting to feel pain. Like, you guys need to put me out. Just like, put me to sleep. Like, I'm ready to go. Like, do what you got to do. Wake me up when you're done, you know? That type of deal. And uh, they put oxygen on me. And I remember pulling it off and being like, is this fucking, I was like, is this gas to put me to sleep? I was like, because I'm bad. I was like, I need pain meds. Like, I remember doing that. And then just like completely, like, that was the last thing I remember. And I guess, uh, I, I guess I flatlined like once or twice. Um, and then, yeah, that was kind of last thing I remember. And then waking up in, 
waking up in the hospital, which was like a squad bay. I remember being the only one in there and it was like completely terrifying because because everything that just happened, it's like, was it real? Like, I have no fucking clue. Am I alive? You know what I'm saying? It's just like things like that. So I remember waking up being the only one in this creepy, like, like hospital, I felt like, you know, like a Chernobyl hospital. Like you're the only one in there, the only survivor, you know, it was like just super eerie. And I wake up and there's, there's this, there's this Haji just in there fucking mopping the floor. Like, and I like look over and I was like, what the fuck? And I started screaming. I was like, get him the fuck out of here. One of like some female nurse comes in and she's like, what's going on? I was like, he needs to get the fuck out of here. I was like, I don't want any fucking Hodges in here right now. I was like, while I'm in here alone, I don't want any of these motherfuckers. And she's like, oh no, no, we get it. We get it. So yes. So I remember being in a hospital and then uh, waking up and it was, it might've been the next day. We got hit on July 23rd of 09 and it might've been like the 24th or 25th or, or something like that. But we're waking up and uh, being there and then uh, like asking, asking for a phone and just being like, holy shit. Like, well, you know, I woke up my legs missed for one, you know what I'm saying? And I, I already kind of, kind of prepared for it. You know, which was kind of weird, like, I don't know, just being us, like, it was just kind of like, if I make it out of, like, an ID or something like that, and I lose a limb, like, that is the wor- the least of my worries, you know, like, if, as long as I make it out, you know, and is uh, actually that day we went back to QRF, um, I remember sitting there with all those guys while we were sitting on Delhi uh, for that week between, uh, between us getting hit, but... Uh, we're sitting there and being like, if I lose a leg, if I lose a limb, like, I was like, I want it to be a leg. I was like, I feel like you can hide it. Like you'd be able to hide it better. You know, like, just like, that was my mentality at the time. I didn't understand it, but you know, the flat, fast forward, like, you know, a week later we get hit or I lose a leg and it was just kind of like, okay, I, I already kind of thought about this, you know? So I never really felt like that ever bothered me, but it was like, holy shit, I got to call my mother right now. You know, I was like, kind of, kind of like how do I lead off you know what I'm saying like for me if I was talking to any one of you guys it's no problem like I'm an idiot you know we're gonna be idiots I'm gonna make jokes do whatever but it's like damn now I gotta call my family about a really serious situation that they've already found out about too you know and they have no clue what's going on so yeah just being at the hospital and laying there and uh you know my legs missing just being like all right well I gotta call my mom so I call my mother and uh, she's a very emotional Spanish woman who, as soon as, you know, I would call in Iraq, you know, and she would, as soon as I pick up, she'd pick up the phone, she'd start crying, you know? So it was like, now I'm calling her out from a hospital in Afghanistan, but she immediately starts crying. I'm like, you got to pass her to somebody who can talk. I'm like, you, you know, I'm alive. I'm good. Like you guys, like I'll be back soon. You guys, you know, pass me to somebody, you know, who I can speak with. So I think I, my whole family was there. And I think I talked to one of my cousins and talked to my family and stuff. But yeah, it was just that that whole time was just kind of a little weird because you don't ever train for any of that. No one trains you for, okay, after you get hit, all your, you, all your gear is wherever the fuck it's going to go. You're going to a completely different place. Like, you know that they're going to call your family or they're going to send people out, but you don't know the process of like what you've got to go through. So, I mean, I got hit on the 23rd and I got 
back to the States on the 28th, which is really quick. But I remember getting there and then being in Afghanistan afterwards for like a day or two and then getting sent to Germany. I remember in Germany just being like super irritated at that point and just like tubes coming out everywhere and just uncomfortable pain, you know, and now I'm like away from everybody. And that was my main thing it was like, <clears throat> okay, I got hit. I'm going to be back. Like, you know, guys were getting hit and going back to base and then coming back, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be back. Like I figure I can make the last part of deployment. Like I'll just go back to the States and I'll, I'll get a leg, I'll get therapy. And then I'll be back before deployment's over. And it was like, not the case. You know, I spent three years at the hospital, but, um, yeah. but yeah, you know, it was wild, but getting to, getting to Germany and, and sitting there and uh, I remember being there and just this nurse, this, I don't, I don't, a full-blown nurse. So she had to be an officer, you know, I was like, they were just like an older lady and just being like, Oh, come on, honey. And calling me dear. And all these like little like names. I'm like, really irritated i'm away from everybody i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing and it's like i was like she's like let's get it you'll feel better if you take a shower and blah blah, blah. i was like i don't want to be moved like i'm just so uncomfortable you know and <clears throat> just kind of like snapping on me like listen bitch like leave me the fuck alone i'm a man like i'm not gonna you know yeah i'm like i'm not gonna fucking sit here and be called honey and baby i was like get the fuck out of my room i'm tired of shit like I don't need to be babied right now, you know? And there's like these two younger corpsmen who are stationed there in Germany. And they're like, oh my God, she is such a bitch to everybody. And that was great, you know? And it's like, but I did that. And and they were like, Obama's coming through for your Purple Heart. For, for Obama's coming to the hospital. So do you want to wait a couple extra days so he can give you a Purple Heart? And I'm like, nah. I'm like, a Marine's going to give me mine. So send me back to the States. So... Yeah, I remember, I think, being in Germany a couple of days and then getting on a plane. And, like, it's not a luxury, like, medical plane. Like, you're in, I'm in a C-130 with 20 other dudes that have been fucked up. And there's also, you know, it's also, like, hero flight. So there's active duty with their family in there. You know, I remember, I remember, I remember we're stacked, you know, like, you would see in movies and, like, uh, you know, like Saving Private Ryan and stuff, which is just litter stack. It was like, I was like the third litter up um, of just like dudes who were, who were just fucked up for whatever reason. And I remember like looking down and there was a family there and they're, and I don't even know if this is real or stay. You know what I'm saying? I was just so, I had so many drugs pumped through me, but like talking to his family and, uh, and just being like, remember family saying like there's child they're like four-year-old son or five-year-old son have like leukemia i remember just being like holy shit like it just like just hit me and i was like oh my god i'm so sorry and they're like looking at me as i'm like tubes everywhere just like my face is probably mangled from you know getting blown up i've got probably just blood and just everything everywhere and they're like no like you've got way more stuff going on but yeah, it was just like a C-130 with no, with no, uh, no insulation, nothing. So it was like the most uncomfortable ride you'll ever take. I remember waking up and, and as soon as you wake up, the nurses are there to just give you another shot to put you back to sleep. So, you know, I couldn't tell you how many times I woke up, how long I was on my flight. Um, but I remember getting back to Andrews Air Force Base and then taking an ambulance from there to was at the time Walter Reed and then from there it was like my family was there I had 
I got in and then like every other day it was surgery, like cleaning out wounds. Um, my left leg was like just destroyed. Like my ankle was destroyed. Uh, you know, my right leg was gone. I had one of those big halo X fixes on my, on my ankle. You know, I was in a lot worse shape than what I thought I was, you know? And it was just like, Holy shit. Like, I don't know if I'm making this deployment, you know, if I'm going to make it back, but yeah, getting back, I had, it was like two weeks inpatient and, and surgery, like every other day, cleaning out wounds. Um, and then it was just kind of like physical therapy started immediately. Like they were, they were after my last surgery, they took me into the physical therapy uh, area and they were like, yeah, this is where you'll come. We'll set up an appointment, blah, blah. And, you know, not even knowing what's going on at that time that I set up an appointment for the next morning to start physical therapy and the doctor came in she's like where were you and I was like I thought you guys are just telling me you know like this is how it's going to work she's like no physical therapy starts now so it was like immediate uh I did all that and I think when they were showing me around the physical therapy area there's a rock wall and I was like oh I want to do the rock wall and they're like oh you you know you you can't I'm in a wheelchair they're pushing me around I don't have a leg. My legs, you know, my legs super swollen. My other ones in the X fix and that big old halo thing. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do this rock wall. And they're like, all right, you know, not, I, I don't think they were thinking I was going to be able to do it. And I literally from the bottom to the top climb all the way up with, with just my arms and then climb all the way down, like not strapped in. And they were like, okay, you cannot do that again. Like you've got to like tone it down. You know what I mean? So You're too motivated. <laughs> dude it was oh, Be a little bit more hard. victim please <laughs> yeah seriously seriously dude but yeah it was a it was a cool therapy experience you know i i feel like that's really when i got to understand and learn about like the human body and like you know more specifically my body and then like what i'm capable of like i remember being there it was like one of my first weeks and seeing this army guy who had been there for you know months and is already through therapy and he's got his leg and I remember seeing him doing box jumps and I was like, in my mind, I was like, how is he going to, how am I going to jump with a prosthetic? Like, I remember just thinking like, there's no way I was like, this dude is doing something way more than I'm going to be able to do. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it was wild thinking of it and seeing it and just be like, just seeing, just thinking that that was out of my grasp, you know what I mean? Like, and now fast forward, I'm, you know, I, I go back country skiing where it's all man powered, you know, and I do, yeah, I work out and, you know, snowboard and do things like that. But due to that time, it was crazy, man. It was, it was, it was a hard, uh, it was hard to see the finish line. You know, it was just like, okay, well, when am I going to be able to start walking? You know, <clears throat> when am I going to be able to like be independent? And, you know, I, I, for me, I felt like it happened really quick. I just kind of, kind of stopped listening to doctors <laughs> you know they they would give me like dude uh, they would give me they give me percocets and like monthly supplies of percocets and they you know i i would at first it was great i'm a kid i think this is great we're hanging out we're fucking taking percocets we're going out and partying you know it was like after i'm you know i've got an apartment out in town and stuff and you know it was like a cool deal and then it's like holy shit, like, it's noon, and, uh, like, I feel really sick, you know, why do I feel sick, 
and I take a Percocet, I feel good. And I'm like, oh man, like this is like, I knew right away. I was like, this is bad news. I was like, I need to take care of this. So I like flush all my Percocets and then told them like, Hey, I don't, you know, I don't need any more pain meds. And they're like, Oh, well, you've got, you know, three more prescriptions. So just fill those. And I'm like, nah, you know? So it, it like, I can see, I can see, you know, that situation and seeing guys who struggle and, you know, seeing guys like Painter and, and dudes like that and, and Blanket Chip who, you know, that addiction turned into, you know, eventually an overdose or suicide or something, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was just like eye opening, but, you know, I did, I did that whole time at the hospital and I went a year and a half past my contract and, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. They did, they, they offer a lot of stuff for vets. I didn't, I didn't do much. I, I felt like, I felt like I wasn't the guy that should be doing this stuff. They're sending guys like Super Bowls and, you know, to like basketball games, you go courtside and all these like fancy trips, you know, and I, I just never signed up for anything. I was just kind of like, I was kind of, I was, I was in that mode where I was like, I'm a senior dude. I want to get the fuck out. Like I'm not, I'm at the hospital. I don't have a platoon. I don't have anything. Like I just want to be on my own deal, you know? So so yeah, that it turned in a lot of partying for a while. <laughs> for a while, it was fun though. But yeah, I spent. I got hit in July by you know I did physical therapy every day until probably until like uh, January of 2010 or so. I got my leg right. I got my first leg like right in November, December of '09. Started walking on crutches. That was another thing where it's like they you get your leg and the first thing they tell you is like you don't get to keep it like we don't want you going home with it trying to stand up and trying to trying to walk and do stuff like you're not strong enough and I was like okay so I got my leg and then I took it in therapy I tried it on and I may have a couple pictures of me like with my first leg and standing and stuff and then like I go to leave and uh, Kyla who is my um, therapist she was like She's like, sees me walking out on my leg and she's like, uh, are you going to take that with? I'm like, yep. And that was like really it, man. Seriously, that was it. It was like, I had my leg and I, it was, I was going to be damned if I was going to sit in a wheelchair any longer, man. I, I was on crutches when I went to the memorial. I was on crutches. Um, you know, that was, and that was another thing for me. It was like, I can't go to the memorial and be in a wheelchair in front of these guys. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I can't do that. Like, I can't show up. And, you know, I'm, I, I gotta be pushed around by somebody. I was like, I'm going there and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stand at attention. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be part of the memorial. I'm going to be in it. You know, it's not gonna, you know, this isn't gonna affect me. So dude, I got my leg like November. I checked myself out of therapy by February and then I was living on my own and just kind of, uh, kind of caught in limbo at the hospital. You know, it was like, when I first got there, there was maybe 30 Marines who were injured and like three, three Marines who were staff members. And then by that following summer, man, it was like 150 Marines, like 30 staff members. And then over that three years, by the time I left, it was a full blown company office. Like we had master guns, we had first sergeant, there was a company commander. They used to hold formations. You'd be out there, dude. You want to talk about fucked up formations? You'd be out there, there'd be guys missing limbs in wheelchairs, standing in formation at 6 a.m. Bro, I'm telling you, Hyman, Hyman was paralyzed. They would make that dude go to formation. <laughs> like, oh. dude, 
it was they made yeah. Harden take a piss test one time. That's how that's how that's how like that's how Marine Corps it got. But you know, in hindsight and, and seeing it now, it's like I I wish you know, they told you, they said, Hey, you're going to go to school. Or you're going to do an internship or you're going to work in office. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not doing anything here, <laughs> you know? So I, so I did nothing. And I really wish that I would have did school or something like that, or, you know, I made some more connections with, you know, a job or something, but yeah, I mean, I can't complain. My time at the hospital was fun, man. Like spent it seriously just partying. I had dudes coming who were getting out of two eight at the time that were, driving up from North Carolina, you know, to drive home wherever they'd come hang out for a weekend or something, you know, so it was, it was great. I got to hang out with a lot of dudes and then go down to Lejeune and hang out a couple of times, but, but yeah, the whole experience is just wild, man. And it's, it, uh, it catches me off guard today seeing, seeing where I've, where I'm at now, you know what I'm saying? Like seeing mentally where I'm at now, physically where I'm at now, like, you know, just, just how it is. And, and, you know, I do think it's because of my injury, like I'm more active now, you know, it's like, it, it completely changed my life. I don't know if I ever would have gotten into snowboarding or hunting or, you know, any of these things I do outdoors, I'd probably be back in Chicago, you know, a cop, you know, and it's, it's, it's funny. And I still had opportunities to be cops, to be a cop. And I took the test in Chicago and stuff. And, you know, just at the end of the day, it was like, I'm done, man. Like seeing everything that's going on, like, I don't want to get shit on by other Americans. You know, I did it while we were deployed. Last year, I wanted to get deployed to some part of my city where I'm getting shit on by those people. You know, but, but yeah, man, I mean, it was a, it was a hell of a ride. And I think coming out of it, you know, it's made me, made me a stronger person you know, in like every sense, I feel like it's made me a better person, you know, and it, it's made me, it's made me appreciate more and, and open my eyes up more, you know, especially with everything that we've got going in today's world and, you know, and people hating each other because you want to wear a mask or you don't want to wear a mask. It's like, man, you know, like we're going to be fine, you know, and, you know, just going through uh, that hard times and that was like, uh, it's just like real humbling, you know, and it makes you, it makes you want, at least for me, it made me want to like pursue more, more things that I, I didn't know were, were possible for me. If that makes sense. Yeah, for but, sure, man. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I think, you know, obviously if, if anybody's listening to that, don't know that, that ID that took your leg did also take the lives of two, two Marines. Um, that Dom was was speaking of Jeremy Lasher and Nick Nick Zaros, I can never Zaros, yeah Zaros, I can never say his name Zaros, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I ended up, uh, yeah, they. Yeah, I ended up uh, out there. Can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, after I got out of the hospital, and I ended up moving up to the Cape uh, and lived with uh, Nick's family for, for about a year. It was awesome, man. Got to wow. hang out with them, see a completely, completely different lifestyle that I grew up in, you know. But, yeah, you know, like I said, like, 
I wouldn't have had those experiences without, you know, having, you know, that one experience. But, you know, like you said, yeah, like Jeremy and, and Nick, like, you know, is, is going back to the hospital and after getting uh, hit and being in Afghanistan, I remember laying there and just, uh, the first thing I remember, the first thing I said, you know, to the nurse, I was like, I was like, where is everybody? Where's Parr and Lasher and, and Nick? And she was like, oh, they're in, they're in another squad bay, you know? And that was like the story I got for the first couple hours. Um, and then I felt like I kind of got to run around uh, as far as like getting the phone in that. But, um, but yeah, then, uh, then come to find out that Lasher had died immediately, you know, and I didn't know that until, you know, a day or two later. And then finding out that, uh, that Nick had died later on um, from internal bleeding. Uh, yeah, it was it was wild, man. Was the ID uh, driver's side? Yeah. So I so from what I've heard, and uh, from what I've heard, it was it was a pressure plate, and that it would have. Uh, I guess it was all was all on the driver's side, because you know, not getting into too much detail, but you know, they're they're looking for last year for a bit. Um, I remember. I remember Nick being in his seat still. I think, you know, I don't I, like he got blown, he got blown out of the Humvee and he was still sitting in his seat, um, still coherent in that. Um, and then I actually got the opportunity last year um, of hearing from uh, Matt Gabriel, who was there and uh, just his perspective and his views on everything. And uh, he was one of the first ones up to Nick in that, but, it was, you know, a lot of stuff that I forgot and a lot of stuff that <clears throat> I guess I didn't even know, but yeah, man, it was, it, I think like, I think those dudes and like meeting their family and meeting, you know, everything that's come out from, from it. It's like, it, it's that bond, you know, they were circling back to it. It's like, it, it's, it's unfortunate the, the way this bond was formed, you know, but it's like, I absolutely love everybody that's come in contact with, you know, <clears throat> on the, on that trip that I drove out with Rose, we got to stop. Uh, we stopped in upstate New York and this is the first time we got to see Lasher. First time I've been there and I've, you know, I've been wanting to go. So when I saw Jeremy and we met up with his wife and his son, Caden, it was, uh, <clears throat> it was crazy. It was the entire trip was, was a good trip. And then we get to New York and it's, it, 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 I don't know. You guys been to upstate New York? Like it's. I've been once. It's, yeah, it's pretty. You know, it, it's really pretty, and there's trees, and it's like, it's like really overgrown and like old school looking. And yeah. we get to we get to Lasher's, uh, where where he's at. You know, we get to the cemetery, and, and it is like one of the most gorgeous cemeteries I've ever seen. Honestly, man, like there's just old school like headstones and just like it's overgrown and just like it's really rainy and everything's real bright and green i live out in utah now so everything's just flat it's the desert you know there's not a lot of color and just getting out there and it was raining and it was uh it was just an awesome experience being able to sit there we sat there for like a couple hours with, with andrea and talking with her and uh getting to hang out with lasher finally and seeing all the guys he's around and stuff you know and then then from there we went up to the cape and we did the ride and that got to hang out with nick but yeah man it, it's it's uh 
it's crazy to look back on it. It's crazy to talk about it. You know, not, not in a sense of like, I don't like talking about it. I, I feel like, you know, I tell civilians this all the time. If anybody wants to know, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to not tell you, like, if you're interested enough, if you're taking the time out to ask me, then, you know, I will, I'll tell you, you know, as much as you'd like, you know, within reason that, but you know, I, I think, I think we do, I think for us, you know, as these, this war yeah, of veterans, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan, I think for us, just having social media and that, it, it, it really helps and gives us an outlet to be able to connect and kind of like get it off your chest. Like it, it's, it's different when I'm speaking to civilians versus when I'm speaking to you guys, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, it, the picture I have to paint for you guys doesn't have to be so vivid you know what i mean like you guys know like you understand the smells and the, and the sights and everything but you're talking with civilians it's like i want i want to be as detailed as i can so you do understand like i wasn't fighting for your rights for you to for your freedom of speech i was fighting because these are the dudes that were there you know what i'm saying like that's that's what we're that's what we we're doing like i was there because of you guys you know i wasn't there on a special mission to save america it was like I know where to go. This is where I went. And the dudes I, I met were like the guys I would, you know, give my life for, you know, obviously. And, and um, it's, it's really cool being able to like reflect on those times, you know, especially hearing everybody's views and like where you guys were out there and your stories. Cause I know, you know, there's stories that intersect that, you know, that other people from other, you know, companies that are involved in, you know, so it's like, it's really great reconnecting with dudes, honestly. Man, I think, um, especially for you, for your instance, just being on the outside looking in and kind of knowing what you've been up to over the years, you know, just with your CrossFit and you're always doing something, dude, just adventuring and shit like that. And I think a lot of, a lot of the guys, families, especially, you know, Lasher and and Nick, like their families being able to see you live that way, that probably does a lot for them. Yeah, you, you know, like I, you don't, you know, you don't think about it. Like I feel like you don't think about like oh how much we we've done for each other. You know what I'm saying? As far as like that, you know, the non the stuff that's not tangible that you can't see and feel and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like after I after living on the Cape and I, I moved away from there, um, then going back down to North Carolina for a bit, um, being removed from Cape Cod and, and Nick's family, like it was like, wow, like I didn't realize that hanging out with his sisters, his twin sisters or his brother, or just like hanging out with his mom all, all day and you know, on the weekends or doing whatever it was like it was like wow, like that really felt good when I got out, you know what I'm saying? It, it didn't yeah. feel like, Oh, what do I, what am I going to do? Like, you know, it was like, we were there for each other, but it wasn't like anything spoken. It wasn't like anything that we were trying to do. It was like, we we're just there, you know? And I, I really appreciated that time. And it was like living with them. Like I learned so much, like, you know, and they're, they're amazing people. And then dude, hanging out with Lash's family and getting to meet his son a few times. And <clears throat> I met him, I met him, dude. I met him. So I did a CrossFit event in Phoenix. Um, and then I, I met Andrea and them were out there. So I met them up and we went out to eat. 
And then I could see him, like, I could see Caden talking to his mom and be like, hey, you know, like, ask her whatever. And she's like, well, why don't you ask him? And he's like, he goes, hey, uh, Dom, he's like, do you, he's like, he goes, why did, he goes, why did you make it out of the ID and my dad didn't? You know what I'm saying? And it was like, this kid's, you know, nine years old, maybe. I, I don't remember the time. It was like a kid to have that thought, you know, it was just like real, just like, holy shit you know maybe like take a step back and just like kind of like see what what's going on in his mind and stuff you know so it's like like that whole like experience made me feel like okay like this you know it's it's obvious that it's a major part of somebody's life but you know i'm not the only one thinking about it every day you know what i'm saying like they're you know this kid has to has to see it you know his father's pictures and videos instead of his father so it's like being able being able to do stuff and see like hey man like we're gonna hang out soon like you're hopefully they're coming out here to do some national park trips and stuff but just like seeing like dude don't worry like you're gonna have that male figure in your life like you know i'll be there whenever i can and i know there's 10 other dudes that are gonna be there whenever they can you know and it's like it's really great because if i would have had that if I would have had that happen to me and I had a child, I would hope, you know, that that would be the experience that my child was going to go through as well, you know? So, but you, the, the families are, families are tough, man. I, I, at least for me, it's, it's wild. You know, it's really wild. It's uh, seeing everybody growing up and, you know, Nick's family, I met his sisters when they were like 15 and now they're like 25 or 26. And actually I think they're 28, but, uh, but seeing just seeing how how they've all grown too, you know, what I mean, it's uh, it's really humbling, and you know, like you said, like them seeing me do stuff, like I, I would, I would feel like I've done something wrong if I just sat around and did nothing, you know, or if I if I got depressed and and you know took my life, I I would feel I would feel worse doing that to you know the people who aren't here you know and their families and things like that so it makes me i mean you know it makes me want to continue to to find new things that are going to push me you know and you know if anybody if anybody wants to join there's i'm always willing to take anybody out you know so no that's awesome dude and i mean it's a you know it's a testament to yourself and your character and what kind of person you are you know because a lot of people could could fold under the circumstances that you you were dealt and um you know it's just fucking awesome you're killing life and, and you know um not letting shit hold you back so what's been the most what's been the most difficult to think thing to you know having to adapt to having your prosthetic i mean what's Man, what took you so to, yeah what took so, you the longest to like get used to having having to, deal to with get that? used to i think for me so I'll tell you what the most annoying thing is. So getting up in the middle of the night, having to take a piss. That's like, you know, what I'm saying? that's like the most annoying. That's like, it's like, all right, well, do I want to spend the next 30 seconds putting on my leg and getting up? Or do I want to just crawl and just like take, go and take a piss? Um, the thing I, I feel like I've had to like get used to the most uh, was mountain biking. Oh, sure. It's probably been like, yeah, I've, I jumped on a snowboard after I got injured and 
I never had any frame of reference for it. And I mean, I just felt like it was just kind of natural. I jumped into it and, you know, now I've been boarding for like eight or nine years. Um, But I think, yeah, I think that's, I think mountain biking, but you know, it's, it's, it's awkward because you don't realize, you don't realize what, when you get your leg, you don't realize what is weak on you. You know what I'm saying? What, like what you're lacking until you stand up on your leg and you realize everything is weak on you. You know what I'm saying? Like you're doing therapy, you're doing stuff to strengthen your core and that, but when it comes to holding your body upright, it takes a lot of strength. You know, I remember getting up into upright bars and just like trying to hold myself up. Like even my arms felt weak, you know, after spending the last six months of not doing anything. Um, I felt like walking was pretty good. You know, I walked, I walked with crutches for a bit and then I went from crutches to like a walking boot and then, and then that was it. Um, been walking ever since, but I think you, everything how, I've done. So. No, sorry to, sorry to cut in on you. I just was this no, a couple years back. I saw you getting like, you went and got like fitted up for a new one or something. Yeah, you showed yeah. you had made like posted videos of you at the <laughs> clinic that was helping you with your new prosthetic yeah. or whatever. I thought that was pretty cool. And it just made me like think like how long how long those things last how long does a leg last you? Like does so, it have does it have a lifespan? They, they, well they do they do and they don't. So like so the components of a leg is your socket that the socket's fitted to make the fit is fitted to your your stump and your residual limb you know so it's like they take the casting of it. it's almost like paper mache you know and then they pour casting from that um and then uh and then they take the molding and they make your socket which is what your leg goes in and then there's the actual foot that you bought that you know for me fortunate enough that the va covers right but you get a foot and so that foot can last you however long however however you treat it you know if that makes sense like i beat up mine pretty good and they they last me like i'll I'll be on the same actual foot for you know two years sometimes you know and and not really i'm pretty minimalist i want stuff that's just easy to take care of i'm in a bad country a lot if i get out there and i've got to fix something dude it's not a good day you know so i try and uh try and get like you know the the shit that doesn't have a ton of components of break but um but so, so a leg will last you as long as, you know, as long as you treat it good, a socket, like when you first get injured, your stump is huge. Like you're just right. holding a bunch of blood, it's swollen, you know, so it keep, it continues to shrink. You wear like these little like do rags on your leg, the, their compression socks and like, you know, gets all the, the fluid moving and stuff. So you keep shrinking. So your first, your first set of sockets are just plastic sockets they're just you know they mold them plastic and then you have those for the you have those until they feel like you've come to a volume that you'll you'll stay at Mm -hmm. so like when i was first injured i would go through sockets probably every like six months or so you know right um from the plastic ones they do a carbon fiber that are that are harder you know really indestructible and you know not heat sensitive and stuff like that so like the one i'm on right now i've had over a year probably close to two years now and the one before that was probably two years um but from the time i got injured to the time i 
probably until like five or six years ago, I was probably changing out sockets like every six months. Damn. And then, yeah. And then the VA takes care of you, man. Like if they see that you're doing stuff, you see you're active, you know, they'll, they'll take care of you. So I've got a lot of like legs for activities and stuff. I've got, I got a running leg that I don't really use because I don't really like running. You know, I've got, uh, I've got, I've got one that has a shock, uh, Fox shock in it. Like what you'd get on a, oh. on a mountain bike suspension. It's pretty dope, dude. I, I, I lift with it and then I snowboard with that one. Um, I've got that one. I got my everyday leg that I walk on. Um, I feel like I've got a couple of those workout legs because I keep wanting a snowboard boot, wanting a workout shoe. So I've got I've got a couple of legs, but they're all the same ones, you know. They all and they all do lapse they, me. I'm when you when you switch up legs, like say you want to go work out or something. Does is there like a adjustment where you have to like it? Does it feel different than like your walking leg or? <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely feels different. So like the one with the shock will give me. Hey, uh, actually, I got one right here. The one with the shock will give – it's like an ankle. So it's like bending at your toe. You know what I'm saying? Bending at your oh, ankle. Right. So like being able to get down on your toe. So when I walk on that, it's more of a it's more of a flat, rigid uh, heel. So when I hit that, it's really hard. And then when I step into the toe, it gives. Right. You know what I mean? And my walking leg is more of just like a soft heel with a rollover and then a little bit of a toe bounce, you know? This is like a normal stride type, type. Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. Right. And I, I've had they've they've set me up with stuff where it's like, do you want a leg with a microprocessor? And it like, it's mechanical, <laughs> and it, dude, it's crazy. You're like, do you want <laughs> one? It, it's mechanical, and you got a battery pack, and it's. I try them out, and they're <laughs> just like, dude, it's too much for for someone as active as me. It's like they're not fast right. enough for me. They don't they don't keep up, but. And like you say, if you're out, damn, that's crazy, dude. Um, So it it'll compress, and I'll snowboard on that, and that's sick. Pretty legit. It allows me to do a lot more, dude. Yeah, like you say, if you're off in the backwoods or whatever, you don't want all kind of gear to you know fuck up on you and ruin your trip or what whatnot. But yeah, you know how it goes being in the field and shit breaks. Yeah, it's like it's never fun, man. Dude, for sure. Well, fuck yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on here and talking to us. Dude. Oh, yeah. Is there anything, um, you know, something, something interesting that I've been thinking about. We had a guest on one of, one of um, it's a couple episodes back. If you want to go back and listen to it, but one of Jose's uh, compatriots, one of his, one of his brothers that at UNCW, he's the uh, assistant is assistant director for the publishing uh, yeah, Mike, creative writing. Talking about Mike Ramos. Yeah. yeah, so Mike Ramos was on here, and he. It was funny because during that episode, like I, I, uh, I didn't realize until during the episode, I checked my phone. I've been following this guy because he writes. He works with the OAF Nation and shit, and he does like you know, write. He writes articles that are kind of okay. kind of fucking kind of deep, man. They'll they'll touch in the right spot sometimes if you want to check his stuff out. But I didn't even realize it was him that I was talking to, and come to find out you know, I just told him that I appreciated his writing and whatnot. And he said, yeah, man, he said, um, you know, one thing about doing that is that if guys are struggling and they can take an article or, or something that I've written 
and they don't know how to communicate that to a family member or a loved one or somebody that they might want to let know, Hey, look, this is kind of what I'm going through. This is what I deal with. They can just show them that article and say, look, read this. This is kind of how I feel. I think, you know, like this and like you telling your story, you know, hopefully your guys, you know, that you were with or anybody that knows you can be like, look, man, this is my fucking boy. I was, I was with them, you know, and, and let them listen to what, what you just shared with us and hopefully that you know will communicate everybody's story a little more and and that's kind of what we're we're just out here trying to do man i appreciate no, i, I appreciate love it man coming. yeah absolutely dude yeah and I, like i think that i think that's great because it's you know like for me, dude, I get proud, man. Like anytime I see two eight, I'm like, fuck yeah, two eight. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I get, you know, I get super proud, bro. Like anybody I see or by, you know, Flynn, uh, who was killed with the Marsa guys who, you know, went down right. to Hilo. I see that and yeah. I'm like, that's fucking two eight. That dude's two eight. You know, I see I see different things here and there. I got a I got a, a buddy I grew up with, he joined the Marine Corps and he's in He's in D.C. now. He's made a career of it, but he's in D.C. now with uh, Eighth and I not doing anything with Eighth and I just in support of them. But uh, he uh, he just went on a hike around there and posted, you know, he went on a hike. I think he was on base he, or he's at Quantico now. So he's on base and, uh, you know, just like the Crucible, they have like these placards of everything that's going on um, or everything that's happened in Marine Corps history and stuff. And 2-8 was one of them. It was interesting to me because I had no clue, but. 2-8 was the first unit to um, to have a black man as the battalion commander, I believe it was. Damn. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were the first battalion to have that, and it was, like, one of the placards that was on this hike. I was like, 2-8, baby, that's right, 2-8. You know? <laughs> Dude, a funny, <laughs> fucking funny, funny story, man. I uh, I was in Target here. I live in, I live in Mooresville, North Carolina, but I was in Target, and – uh this was shit, maybe 2012 or something. And I'm in target dude. And I see somebody wearing a fucking two, eight hoodie in, in, it was a, uh, it was a girl wearing a two, eight hoodie. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, damn, who, what? So I go up and it was like one of our, I forget it was the front toward enemy one or something. And I'm yeah. like, how the fuck does she have this? Like, and I go up to her and I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry to be, you know, uh you know weird i'm like where did you get that hoodie from and i was like she was like oh my brother this and that and i was like who's your brother or maybe it was his cousin i'm not sure it was fucking it was spaulding's one of spaulding's family members he lives in <laughs> he's from statesville he's from statesville yeah. which is just north of me and i knew spaulding because i was an assaultment you know he was echo or whatnot yeah. and one of my senior senior guys in the assault shit and uh I'm like, holy fuck, no way. Like, that was crazy. I never knew that. But, yeah, I just saw it. I, I saw the 2-8 shit, and I had to go talk to him. Like, what the fuck? How Dude. do you have this? It's a weird... I feel... It's a weird, yeah, it's a weird it's, thing, uh, that unit... It is. Unit pride shit. Oh, uh, dude, and I feel like... I don't know, man. Like, I feel like we're... It's almost like the Pele Lou vets. Like, like 2 eights like historical like even before iraq and afghanistan like we've been part of some we've been part of all those battles you know what i'm saying like nobody hears about 2-8 it's always like 1-5 the raiders you know and like all these like random random uh you know known 
known units where it's like, dude, two eight was two eight's a shit, man. Two eight really is. Yeah, for sure. Dose social for sure, baby. Eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for I, sure. I wanna hear what about you guys, man? Like tell me what's going on with you guys. Let me break break me down on the <laughs> on the world of YouTube. <laughs> What are you doing? Who, me? Yeah. I was looking for... Oh, never mind. I was just looking for something. I'm listening. No, hey, no, we're... I mean, what do you want to know? So, like... So, your guys is... I I love the idea of the podcast, man. I, I love... I love... One, I love that it's all it's the two eight guys. You know what I'm saying? I love I love seeing, you know, I love seeing any one of us doing anything, you know, that isn't sitting around and you know being being an asshole, you know. So like seeing this and just you know it's because we've got those guys, you know, and it, it or you know those guys that we don't even talk to anymore. Like you guys remember Fleming? You know, you guys remember Simpson? Like, I haven't seen those dudes in fucking forever or heard from them. You know what I mean? It's like, it's unfortunate because as shitty as we were at the, at the that age and that time, I would still like to know they're doing good in that. You know what I mean? And seeing that they're, they're, they're I mean, there's that they have friends and they know people, you know, but right. I don't know, man. Just, I, I, I get, uh, you know, it's like the whole pride thing. Like, I, it, when you guys are doing something, I'm doing it too. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what yeah. I feel like. And then I've seen you guys posting. I was like, dude, this is awesome. No, I mean, the idea, I mean, Jose can, can chime in. But the idea is just to, you know, obviously those circumstances that we all went through together are not is not something that's ever going to leave you. Um, and, and we do have, you know, the combat veteran community has a, a uh, epidemic with the the mental health crisis and and suicide especially i know every unit suffers from it i mean you can talk to any guy from any victor unit and they got guys fucking making making the wrong decision but i think just doing this and talking to homies and talking to guys that you know you can uh that can relate to you with what you're going through can help a ton of people whether they want to partake in it or not just hearing and seeing just like you said you see guys you know doing something and you're like fuck yeah this is sick like i just it it, it's not uh unless you're a shithead like it's not that hard to get hyped on one of your boys doing something doing something productive you know um but that's kind of just what what i'm about i mean jose this whole thing just started for me commenting on a on a post jose made about hating fucking going and giving giving people money in his 2011 pump at a school and seeing kids that didn't realize that their lives were fucking screwed from the jump you know and i commented on it and just said good shit bro you know proud of you whatever and then he hit me up was like hey man you want to you want to talk and then it just all kind of started from there he obviously advocates for for the uh, veteran community a lot more than i do um but you know this thing i kind of think is is a good thing it's been we've had good feedback from guys in the unit i mean even guys outside the unit he could tell you more on that but it's not a 
talking about shit and then reminiscing about shit, I think can do a lot for, for people. So I agree. Yeah. I tell people, you know, like I said before, like, if you want to know my story, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you it, you know, like that's, you know, you're taking the time and I'm going to tell you, and, and I've said it before. And, um, I think the dudes who are more quiet and more reserved and, you know, keep, don't want to talk about it. I think those are the, you know, my opinion or from what I've seen are, are the guys that you need to watch for, you know, you know, and those are the guys that are, that are struggling, but don't know how to relay that to anybody, you know? And I, so my wife is actually a psychologist. So when we first got together, it was like, you're, you know, we're together cause you're doing like your dissertation on like fucked up bets, you know? And I'm, I'm your, you know, I'm your, your person for that. But, uh, but like, but being with her over the last couple of years, I've really, she's really been able to explain it to me and explain mental health to me in a sense that I, in a way that I didn't understand, you know, and it really helped me understand what I was going through more, you know, and, and, you know, the struggles that come along with it. And, you know, it's, it's just, nobody teaches you this stuff, you know, nobody teaches you, nobody teaches your family how to, how to act with your son coming home from war, you know, like, when I got back, I was an asshole to my parents, like, I was fucking mean, I was rude, I was, you know, I was like, and it wasn't just them, it's everybody, you know, but it's like, being my parents, I felt like taking it out on them was, you know, was like the thing I should do, or something like that, you know, but it was like, nobody educated me on PTSD and TBI and nobody educated them. So it was like, it was a constant struggle, you know, and now 11 years later, I, I feel fortunate enough to be able to have that conversation and be like, Hey, like I was really fucked up at the time. That had nothing to do with you guys. That was me, you know, and that was the shit that I was going through. And I want you to understand that that's not who I am or who I was, it's like, but you also need to understand and do your own education of what was going on and I'm not just an asshole you know it's like it, it's a lot you know it's it's it truly is man I know you guys have dealt with it, like coming home and like sitting in line at the at the bank or something you're like why is this taking so long like you know just like irritated you know but but uh but yeah man it was is being able to to like look back on it and then talk with my wife and and just understand and, and find new ways to you know, express all that without having to get fucking hammered, you know, and then argue with people or, or just be drunk all the time, you know? So yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, but it, it, on that note, the long-term goal, like this is a supportive, like I'm doing, I'm writing a second book right now. It's called O3XX, the hidden language of brotherhood and intuition. And a lot of it deals with mental health reform, but not just any kind of mental health reform. Um, and it also talks about how, what I call the meta war paradigm is like how perpetual war is today, how we've transitioned into interstate strategic competition, right? Great power competition, how narrative warfare, yeah. medic warfare is literally undermining the entire mental health consciousness of the United States. And that a lot of these suicides and a lot of mental health issues are stemming from what is basically influence operations. This is psychological operations taking place today and it's causing cortisol levels to spike. It's causing predispositions to come out and it's literally causing the decline of the United States. And so with that, yep. 
So with that, man, that's why I'm, there's so many more cases now. Yeah. So with that, yeah. I was I was telling Polly that you know the the mission, my life's fucking mission now, is to write write a policy to introduce the new MOS to the Marine Corps called the O three thirty three, which is basically a warfighter that also has mental health credentials and it understands influence operations, so that they can go ahead and cut off the fucking snake's head before. Yep. That it ever fucking pops up anywhere else and also introduce Dude. mental health paradigms. So that's, I think that's great, man. That's great. Spalding's an athletic trainer for the Marine Corps. Now, you know what I'm saying? Like the, it, these are the routes that they're going, you know? And I think, do I think that's awesome? I think honestly having, you know, if you've got some athletic trainer there for your body, then you've got to have somebody there for your mental health too. Like, you know, you know how it was when we were in, you get hazed, you go do your job, you come back, you get hazed, you drink, you wake up in the morning, you do it again. You know, it's like, you know, it, it, you don't understand how to deal with it at that age. You know, you're 19 years old, you go from, you know, especially kids who didn't grow up, you know, in, in circumstances where they had to deal with, you know, hardships like that. You know, you go through this world and you're like, oh, it's, it's great and it's fine. And then you get tossed into the Marine Corps and you know, how do you deal with that? How do you, you know, how do you mentally deal with it? How you, you have nobody to talk to, you know what I'm saying? You're going to talk to other guys who are the same age as you. Like, I I think that'd be actually really helpful, man. Yeah, no, I 100%, man. I, and I tell Polly too. You have that deployment too. Oh yeah. 100%. You know, I was telling Polly that, Honestly, DOD Department of Defense would have benefited with people having resilience, like resilient skills. They would have been way more effective fucking fighters rather than fucking burning down and crashing down after either one or two pumps. I mean, yep. just the longevity and the sustainment of like just a regular fucking guy in operations would have been like that much longer. And it fucking yep. baffles me that these are fucking, you know, doc- like doctors and fucking people in legislation at the Hill that run this shit. And it's like, why fucking spend these, you know, why spend billions of dollars? Why fucking max out these guys' lives? And when you could have had a fucking long-term fucking force willing to do fascinating for you and been fucking good to go. Like it just fucking blows my mind, but here we are, you know, still in the fucking fight. And so I'm just fucking thankful. I'm thankful for fucking Polly. I'm thankful for all the fucking two A guys. I'm just thankful for the fucking support moving forward because, you know, this isn't about fucking me or what my fucking mission is. It's just, yeah. I'm just thankful that it's fucking, everyone gets to be a part of it. And then we it gives us, you know, reinforces who we are, that identity, and that we're a part of this fucking larger narrative, which is fucking living life, quality of life, having quality of life, and then fucking paying homage to the fucking homies that ain't here today. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I'm just fucking grateful, man. Yeah, I hear that, man. I'm, I'm right along with you there, man. It's like, <clears throat> you know, I get people, you know, I get people complaining about the VA a lot. And, you know, and I hear it. Like, I understand, like, the VA does have its issues, you know. And I'm, you know, I try to explain, like, hey, man, like, I get a lot of medical care, you know, a lot more than the average veteran. And, like, you know, at the end of the day, my mental health care is what I make of my mental health care. Like, everything else you know, they're, they've been really generous and great with me. You know what I'm saying? Um, as far as mental health, I don't, I don't, I think what, I think what I do 
for my mental health there, you know, all those activities and sports and stuff, you know, like I, I don't go to a typ- typical therapy session. You know, I see, uh, see a therapist like once every six months to check in and make sure, uh, make sure I'm good to go. But, you know, it's, I think it's, I think it's finding what that is for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, some guys brew craft beer, you know, I like, you know, getting miles away from anybody with no cell service, you know, and I think it, it's, I think there's a stigma with coming out and you're supposed to be this hard charging Marine and you're supposed to be a man and have everything figured out and you can't, you can't ask for help. You know, you've got to, you've got to do it on your own. You know, this is why some guys have gone homeless, you know, and it's like, you're never going to know what helps you or what works for you. If you don't get out there and ask questions or try things, you know, and I think a lot of it is getting out of that comfort zone. You know, there's, you, you see the guys that, you know, truly still like hold on to like being deployed and they love it. And, you know, and it's like, their Facebooks are covered with their pictures and every time there's status updates, it's something about it. It's like, it's like, yeah, man. And I, I see that and I understand, you know, that they're looking for something else, but they just don't know how to, how to act on it. You know, I think starting while we're in and getting that, you know, like you're saying, getting that mental health or getting that, you know, just guidance would serves so much better for these guys i mean a 19 year old you see your buddy getting blown up how you can't you can't like comprehend that you can't make any sense of that you don't understand that it completely changes you as a person you know what i mean it's it, it nobody's there to help you and then you know you do your little surveys when you get back from deployment and you're like how do you feel one to five you know and it's like well now i gotta lie on this otherwise you're gonna kick me the fuck out yeah, you know so yeah. now i think you guys really got something going here man especially even if it's just two eight guys that are you know that you're able to get involved with it you know that i mean i think that's great like either way just as long as we keep as long as we keep this going you know with everybody you know not just like the dialogue and the communication you know it's it's unfortunate what happened to Hamill, you know, just to, you know, the beginning of last year and that it's, you know, could have, could have we, could we all have been there to prevent it, you know, in some form or, or, you know, could this outlet have helped him out for another week until he got, you know, see, you know, there's a million scenarios that run through your head. And, you know, I, I think it's the first step is offering this platform to guys, you know, yeah, no doubt. And I was going to, you know, before you even said that, um, I was going to say, if you got any echo or weapons guys that want to fucking come shoot the shit with us, they're more than welcome, man. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I was, I was actually, so me and Bo, me, Bojo and Hayborn went down to the Lake Powell a couple of years ago and we met and Doc Ordonez came. Dude, you guys got to get Doc Ordonez on. That guy, he was telling us some stories, man. Doc O's got some fucking stories. He's almost, he's legally blind, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that dude's, he's, he, he's got marks all over his shins and that from bumping into shit. Like, <laughs> but, dude, he's a hardworking Mexican. He's in his 40s and he's, he's like laying, uh, 
tennis court tops. Oh, you know shit. what I'm saying? Like, he's and he's fucking blind court. or almost blind. Yeah, that dude's just like, still like, getting after. How thick are his, it, it, his glasses? I don't. Does he? He wears glasses. They're, I can't remember. Does he wear glasses? I don't Does know. He drive. Does he drive? Yeah, he drives. He drives. Holy fuck. <laughs> so he's got to wear glasses, I guess. Maybe he had contacts. Oh. But, dude, he's because when I was listening to your last podcast, you guys talking about, and it was 3 7, not 2 7 that we ripped with. Was yeah, it? Yeah, in Ramadi. It was, yeah, it was three, yeah, 3 7, no shit. Okay. No, I, you guys I, remember I, the, the water bull had 3 7, no shit on it at Camp Ramadi? <laughs> yeah. Was it 3 7? <laughs> I thought I yeah. swore I thought I swore I thought no maybe you wait wait, wait. where was Echo at in Ramadi you you guys were uh so I got well during that whole split I got sent to ECP North but Echo was at Spartan Echo was at Spartan and oh, I forgot they're I know they're at Spartan they're at a couple others mm. but you might you might be right either either way those guys. <laughs> No, it was definitely three seven because I remember me and Romero would always be like, "Yeah, three seven, huh, boo?" Like, no shit. That's my bias. I put a two at. I put a two in every fucking unit. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember I was listening to him and you guys were talking about everything. We had that first IED that happened at the Gov Center, the first like two weeks we were there, like the first month we were there. Um, and Daco was there, and he was telling us some stories about it. it were pretty oh, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, man. And, and tell them just a badass. Yeah, tell him, holler at him if he wants to. If he wants to come entertain us for a while and fucking re- <laughs> reconnect with the homies, I'm sure anybody in two eight would probably like to hear that shit. So, oh yeah. man. But so, and you guys are both still in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So yeah, I'm plan. I'm. Planning on going out for the memorial. Um, have you heard if they're going to do that one in, D- in Quantico still? I think they I thought they changed it. They canceled yeah, they had, that. That was supposed to happen during when the pandemic first started. Right. And then they, I don't know if they plan to push it back to this year or not. I doubt it. It probably would get kanked again this year. For, for this year anyway, but. Yeah, because I was planning yeah, so to I was go. Like, I want to make it out. Yeah, I was planning it's, it's to go to be that on a Monday. Uh, well, I think the I think they're doing it like that Saturday, the twenty eighth or something. No, oh, Saturday the 29th from eleven to fifteen hundred. Yeah, I I just gotta, dude. I gotta fucking figure out how I'm gonna get on base. I forget how to do all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your marine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you, you wait? Are, I don't know. Hey, some somebody should somebody <laughs> should figure this shit out and let us know. What do you got to bring you your two fourteen or something? <laughs> do you no, remember when you, went to go, when you went to go visit people? You just give your ID in that, right? You just go visit. Yeah. I thought I've that's got, how it I've was. Got my retired ID. I don't have that but shit. I, yeah, dude. I don't think like the back gate. I don't think you'll be able to get in. I got a VA card. That's about it. I swear I'm a veteran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I got the fucking the one with the fucking brio on it. This fucking hit up shoe, dude, man. He'll fucking get you on base. Yeah, I'm man. I feel so bad. I was supposed to. So when I was up on the Cape for Nick's ride, 
he had hit me up. He's like, hey, let me know when you're there. And I completely fucking forgot, dude, to hit him up. Um, and then I missed seeing him. And then I saw Ravor. I actually got to see John Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My dude. <laughs> I love that dude, man. He's such a good dude. So we hung wow. out with him and then we saw we had, there was actually quite a fit, quite quite a few dudes. Do you you guys want to hear a crazy story? So we go to see Lasher and we're hanging out there and it's just raining and stuff. And I look and back behind, there's a couple of vets and like firemen around Lasher. And I look behind him and the dude behind him is like a Vietnam vet or World War II vet. And he's got the same birthday as me, July 5th, whatever year. It's absolutely nuts. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. So I'm with Rose, you know, from Weapons. And he's like, uh, he's like, damn, that's fucking trippy, dude. That's that's nuts. And then looks and at the headstone next to him, it was Jared's exact birthday, too. Oh, like, what the fuck dude the exact birthday just whatever year it was that they were born dude it was nuts man i was like and it's like stuff like that where i'm like okay the time i came to visit was the right time to come you know what i mean it's just like yeah i just had a couple you know uh situations like that where it was just like all right this all i don't believe in it meant to be you know everything's meant to be but um you know definitely something was supposed to happen so I just tripped me out. And then, yeah, yeah, I, that those two MRAPs that I was telling you guys about earlier, they got stuck. I was on a snowboard or I was on a uh, ski lift out here a couple of years ago. This guy had a Marine Corps sticker on his board and I was like, oh shit, you're in the Marines, blah, blah. Started talking to him. He was one of the fucking trucks that got stuck during the, when golf got their two trucks stuck. It was one of his <laughs> trucks that got stuck. I was like, get the fuck out of here. And then, <laughs> yeah, there's another guy from 2-8 here. He moved to Texas. It was uh, damn, I forgot his name. But yeah, it's a crazy world, man. For sure. Are you guys going oh, to man. church after this? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to church? I I study the church, but I don't. I won't go to it. My my old man's a, a pastor. Um, I think I remember that. Yeah, he yeah he's yeah, he, he runs a men's shelter and stuff, but um, yeah, I've had enough church. You know, I like studying it. You know, I like studying religion and stuff like that. But it's yeah, it's I, I got a. <laughs> it's oh, I bet, dude, and you grew up with it, so it's probably you know, it's like probably like a lot for you. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, well, it saved our lives. You know, growing up and. The community aspect of it, you know, like the social gospel, the charity aspect of it, yeah. it just saved our life. And then, I mean, I don't, I don't mind that stuff, but the the dogmatism that comes with it, I think it's a bit, yeah, like it's very, very toxic to some degree. And yeah, life is too complex to put something into, like into the specifically Judeo Christian type templates that yep. are. Yeah, and, and there's just so much, you, you know, arguing from the contextual analysis and historical analysis of some of these writers. Like, there's two Genesis stories, different authors. How they're translated. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Just finding out about how <laughs> how you grew up, you know, the, well, I grew up, you know, with the Trinity, you know, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and that, you know, it... it yeah, it's just, just so much in like, and not only that, you know, it's like the Council of Germania, the, the you know, the people that put the Bible together, and 
how the New Testament was formed. And then you end up finding out about all these like pseudopipographias where there's all these other extra canonical texts that don't ever make it yeah. into the Bible that have like crazy fucking stories about yeah. science and angel human hybrids. And dude, it gets fucking nuts, bro. And I can go all day about that shit with like when it's dude, all said and yeah, when it's all when I'm done with all this shit, dude, I'm so I'm, I'm gonna write science fiction. So I'm writing my nonfiction, writing science fiction, and then I'm gonna go ahead and tap into my religious fantasy books. Which I can't wait to fucking just. Dude, that is awesome, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude. So let's. So check this out. So I've always like kind of toyed with this idea, and I'm not like a book writer, but um, writing a book where it's like everybody's sea stories, like just whatever it is, like barrack stories, like things like that, just a bunch of short stories. You know, almost like your podcast. And you're able to get all these guys' submission, and then you put it into like a text, and it's like holy shit this exact shit that we went through while we're in you know what i mean always like something yeah, like that like maybe you know just just getting those stories on the paper and just you know almost be like a tucker max for for the marine corps <laughs> if you want man um if you want i can i can write up a plan and then i can present it to my boy mike and then we can fucking roll with a fucking like a series of poems and shit like my boy my boy jules yeah, my boy Jules, he made it onto a couple. I think he made it on. I can't remember the book's name, but it's a series of poems. Um, no shit. Um, I bet. I just bought. I just bought it the other day. It's called. Uh, I don't want to misspeak this shit because I follow these guys. I think it. I think it's, they're like. I thought that was the name of the book for a second. I was like, That's a cool <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's the Dead Reckoning Collective. Yeah. It's a bunch of like vets that just run, write like short stories or poems. I think most of it's poems. That's um, cool. If you yeah, yeah if you, man, dude, I love it, man. I, I love hearing about it, man. Like hearing dudes that have gone to college, that have started businesses, like whatever it is, man. I, I love seeing uh, everybody, everybody getting after it. being adults, you know. Seeing guys no, that's kind of years old. That's kind of something that we, you know, that's that's the best thing you could do for the boys, man. The ones that fucking didn't come back with us is just fucking kill, like yeah. just kill it, no matter what it is, dude. You know. Yep. Just at least enjoy enjoy your life to the max and fucking, you know, just be grateful. That's yeah, that's that's how I feel, man. I I think uh, the experiences we've all gone through have like have made it so that I'm one. I'm appreciative of just like everything, you know. It's just like being able to to wake up and so I look out my window and there's mountains and it's like, all right, well. Today, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. I'm going to be in the mountains, do a couple hours up there, come back, take a nap, and then I'm going to class later on in the day. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's the experience we've gone through really, have really made everything else more enjoyable, you know, and, and it made me seek out more, I guess, and not just kind of settle, you know, and, and that's what, <clears throat> you know like i told you yeah see you guys doing it i'm doing it. you know like so, like seriously seeing two weight guys dudes we know just like hooking and jab and doing whatever they can you know making their mark anyway it's like dude it's great man i told you like if i see somebody doing it like that's that's me too like i started that business you know like that's yeah. my podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, so so I'm gonna end this on. I'm gonna end this kind of on a light, on a light note. Yeah. Uh, 
you went to war and you're still considering being a fucking cop in Chicago. Yeah. That's fucking nuts, dude. dude I mean, is, and that's a different, that's a different type of place. I mean, dude. I, I grew, I grew up just North of Detroit, but I yeah. saw that place. I saw that place turn to, a, you know, a shithole after my family moved down here. Yeah. But I mean, Chicago is no different. Crime is a different dude. fucking thing up there, boy. Dude, it's crazy. My uh, my dad does security at one of the hotels there, and during the riots and everything that were going on, he didn't stop working. You know what I mean? The hotel's still open and that. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, dude, and this was, you know, this is like the most stress I've been in forever because my dad's got to be out there dealing with like in downtown where these guys are rioting and breaking shit open. And he was saying that literally everything every business on that block had been broken into destroyed except for his hotel and then across the street there was like a pawn shop that they that there was like 30 dudes they were trying to get in couldn't get into it but it was like god you know like how do you and i'm trying to get them out here to move now yeah do you so you said you still had you had family members that were police officers up there yeah yeah, yeah, I've got uh, I've got a cousin who's a cop, uh, and then my cousin's husband's a cop, um, and then I've got an uncle or two that are still cops out there. Dude, it's you know it's it's from what I see and what I've you know what we've dealt with and stuff is it's just you know you're working a job to get shit on by other people, you know that you don't have the protection of leaving the states you know leaving the country and going back to your home you know you work in one part of the city and then you drive home you know and I, I feel like that aspect with this crazy is going on just not knowing who's who's following you and stuff like that but just dealing with bullshit every day like you're yeah. like your entire day is chaos you know and it's now being older it's like man i just want to be calm like relaxed yeah. i don't want to have to worry about i don't want to do other people's shit i don't want to do my shit you know so it it really does i'm i'm thankful now that i'm not a cop you know that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> you know it's just like it, it all happened for a reason i guess but i couldn't imagine dealing with that stress of being a cop no. with the shit that's going on now with all these movements and protests and literally everybody hating cops and it's like it's a paycheck, man. Like at the end of the day, I'm not worth, I, I'm, I'm not willing to get shot at again over, you know, 60,000 in, in a paycheck. No, I was just fucking with you. Cause I heard you, I heard yeah. you say earlier, you're like, somebody told you that, Hey, look, man, it's still not off the table. You can be a cop if you yeah. want. I was like, dog, why would you do that? <laughs> well, I, I, I took the, I took the test back in like 08 or something like that. And then I passed the test, but I submitted I submitted a, uh, my my orders instead of like a letter for my chain of command and they disqualified me. Oh. And then I was like, I could have got a lawyer and fought it. And then I was just like, whatever, I'll take the test again if I really wanted to do it. But but yeah, dude, I, I could imagine being a cop right now, man. I just it's I, I've got it. I got yeah, I got it pretty made right now, you know, and dealing with other people's bullshit is is not part of it. So for sure. All right. Well, I'm going to exit this out. Good talking to you, bro.